Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. Kevin, I've been stewing on this one for like six hours. You ready? So Chris Ballard gets on social media yesterday and sees somebody's tweet that says, the Colts inaction in free agency is a joke. And Ballard says, yeah, well, here's the kicker. <laughs> I've been waiting like six and a half hours yeah, I for think that. you could have waited another three hours. In my probably. opinion, that sucks. I think that's a record for the fastest I've ever had to yeah. push that button. <laughs> well, thanks. A listener texts me, can't wait for Jake's joke about the Colts signing a kicker. And... Sure enough, seven twenty. What was that? Well, seven o'clock and twenty eight seconds. Yeah, the I show. had other variations, but I decided that I'd play it safe. Matt Gay, the new kicker for the Indianapolis Colts. I am totally good with it. He's a Pro Bowl level kicker. He's kicked at a very high level from long distances with the Rams each of the last two years. Yeah, you know, think about Chase McLaughlin, Jake. And by the way, good Tuesday morning to everybody out there. Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, Mark Dykton. Certainly a lot of bracket talk. Bruce Weber going to join us at 9.30. Zach Kiefer to talk about this move. And some others joining us at 9. We'll give away more bracket numbers throughout the show. Um, you feel bad for Chase McLaughlin. because Yeah, he did about everything he was asked, right? And you know, Jake, go back to 2019. We, we kind of forget this about Chase. Remember we had Adam Vinatieri on a few months ago, or I guess a month ago? I mean, he replaced Adam Vinatieri. Imagine a kicker replacing Adam Vinatieri. That's a big freaking deal. McLaughlin did a nice job in the 2019 season doing that. Last year, he kicked at a really nice level. The thing about Chase is you look at the back of his baseball card, Jake. Last year is the outlier. He's been cut and signed like seven or eight different times in his NFL career. He's bounced around several teams. You know, if you want to get really technical... And again, I know the Colts play indoors, but he's not a great kicker outdoors. If you watch him, again, it's not the prettiest looking thing in the world. And I think the question that you have is, are you going to pay for that outlier season a couple of million, or are you going to sweeten that pot a little bit and pay for a guy that was a fifth-round pick coming out of college, which is obviously a very high draft pick for a kicker, and that's Matt Gay. Um, Missed just two field goals all of last season, one from 51, one from 61, made all of his extra points, missed two kicks all season long in their Super Bowl year when he was a Pro Bowl kicker in 2021. So I am totally good with it. It's taking a position that you found some steadiness at last year, and now you're trying to uptick it to a Pro Bowl level. This is an interesting tweet from Steve who simply said, it makes you think that both Adam Vinatieri and Rodrigo Blankenship's final season on the team traumatized Chris Ballard pretty bad. I think that's fair. Without question. I mean, Jake, if My only thing, Kevin, is this. Kicker hell is awful. My only thing is, and it's not like a ton of money in the grand scheme of the NFL, but if you're giving that kind of money to a kicker, then one would think that that means that you are under the slam dunk expectation that you're about to free up some money places, right? I, I would say that. And, and Jake, I want to make this clear. Because the Colts have signed Matt Gay to a you know a very notable deal, four years and $22.5 million. Well, it's the highest 
free agency kicker signing in NFL history. Which you don't typically see a lot of kickers hit free agency. I, 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 right. I do think good kickers, I should say. I'm sorry, I do think that plays into some of it. But just because the Colts have made this deal doesn't mean that that is their excuse for not spending in free agency. They can still spend. They just choose not to spend. Um, so I think as we watch the rest of this week play out, the rest of this month play out, don't think for a second that just give the Colts the excuse of, oh yeah, they they, they spent at kicker so they can't spend anywhere else. If they wanted to, they, they could. And to your point, they can make more cap room with Matt Ryan, with Nick Foles, potentially with Ryan Kelly, Kenny Moore, some other guys on this roster. Um, so yeah, a whole lot to get to on the Colts free agency front. One linebacker leaving, one linebacker returning. They also lost a corner, which I think a lot of people are totally good with. And I guess in general around the league yesterday, it was a really active day for offensive linemen, for Mark's Bears, um, linebackers. No, I don't think we saw a single wide receiver get signed yesterday, nope. which is kind of interesting after the big spending spree from last year. Mark, are you good with what the Bears did? Very good. Very good so far. They're addressing needs. They've got a quite the trio of uh, linebackers now, so it's kind of fitting the Matt Eberflus mold of Love for linebackers, so I like what they did there. I would like to see some more trenches filled on the offensive and defensive lines, but so far, so good for a day one. Jimmy Garoppolo to the Raiders. Obviously, the Josh McDaniels connection there. A Fort Wayne native, Jesse Bates, signed a big contract uh, to go to the Falcons. Uh, He leaves Cincinnati. So Cincinnati losing both of their starting safeties. Um, And Javon Hargrave, arguably the best defensive player to hit free agency. He leaves the Eagles. The Eagles lost several defensive starters yesterday. It's what happens when you win, man. I mean, I know they didn't win the Super Bowl, but when you are, you know what I mean? When you're a team that's up towards the top, people come and And obviously they've got to pay Jalen Hurts, so that plays into it as well. He goes the 49ers, so that's one of the best defensive lines in football getting richer. Now, the one move that was curious to me, you guys call me crazy here, I and I think I say this because I like both players. But Jimmy Garoppolo from Derek Carr to me is a very lateral movement. Like, did the Raiders get better with that move? Well, I, I think probably two things. One, just financially, it's much different signing Garoppolo versus the deal that the Saints gave for Derek Carr. And then I think it's a bit of, you know, Derek Carr spent a decade there. It almost seemed like that was a mutual parting of ways. That for Derek Carr to stay with the Raiders, that would have been a massive financial commitment to him. They look at Garoppolo a little bit more short-term on that. And we'll see what they do with the seventh pick. You, you wouldn't think they'd be in the quarterback market. So I think if you're a Colts fan, that's a move that you like. I think the Raiders were rumored to have some interest in trading up in the draft. You would think that that now takes them out of that sweepstakes with the number seventh, uh, with the seventh pick. But, I mean, Jake, when you look at these AFC quarterbacks... I'm going to rattle off all these AFC quarterbacks. And let's assume, let's just play this out. Let's play out that Aaron Rodgers goes to the Jets. So in the East, Josh Allen, Mac Jones, Tua, Aaron Rodgers. In the AFC North, Joe Burrow, Deshaun Watson, Kenny Pickett. We'll put a question mark on Lamar Jackson. Out West, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Jimmy G, Russell Wilson. And in the South, let's say Bryce Young, to the Texans, Trevor Lawrence, Bryce Young, Ryan Tannehill, and whatever the Colts do. And Ryan Tannehill's probably not long for the world there, right? 
you have, and I think 12 of those 16 are under the age of 27. I, I've Again, Jimmy G, Aaron Rodgers, we can debate where they're at in their careers. But Jake, when Jimmy G and Aaron Rodgers might not be like in the top, Jimmy or Rogers' case, you can debate him in the top five of the AFC. Probably Jimmy G's case, you could debate him in like the top eight or top ten. Those guys would go to the NFC and be one of the best quarterbacks right now. I, it, again, I've never seen the AFC like this. The Colts are the fifteenth or sixteenth best team at quarterback, and, and, and it makes you wonder. Like the the Jets with Aaron Rodgers, I, if you're Aaron Rodgers, aren't you thinking to yourself like, I want to stay in the NFC, right? Although Aaron Rodgers is probably towards the end there, but I mean, by Derek the way, Carr goes to the NFC, and now he's like the best one of the best right, quarterbacks in the right. NFC. Uh, I'm looking at the NCAA tournament challenge, by the way, at the team names of, of those that have entered. Uh-huh. Um, a lot of the team names that you expect. One is don't draft Levis. Mm. One is Mark D seventeen something. That's got to be you, right, Mark? Um, I, I otherwise I've got an imposter in there. Rumble for Caleb. Uh, any other? A little bit further in? down is the name Query is Booty. Oh. Oh, now that could go. Does it mean you got some cake on the backside, or is that like an Mm -hmm. insult? Yeah, yeah, I I think it's probably an insult, right? Doesn't seem very nice. Well, yeah, you could take that one of two ways. Username is Shannon something. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now we decided that uh, we're going to divvy up uh, with our Jay's Lobster food cards for dinner at the garage. Uh, This will also include your chance to win using our tournament challenge, right, Mark? Correct. The winner, fifty bucks to Jay's you, Lobster. You've been there, right, Mark? You like? Yes, it? very good. Very good lobster rolls. Amazing lobster bisque. Very good. And that uh, obviously goes along with our numbers game, which three gift cards given away there. We'll continue to do that throughout the show. I don't know. Another day of looking at the bracket, Jake. Anything that kind of stands out to you? I'll tell you, man. Tonight we obviously get the play-in game started with. A&M, Corpus Christi, Southeast Missouri State, and then Pitt and Mississippi State. The thing to me that is really interesting about this bracket, no matter how many times you do one and look at it, it doesn't feel right. Because there is no team that you're like, you know what, I've got to have that team. And and then there are other teams that, you know, like I'll put UCLA deep and then I'm like... I don't know. Well, they're a two seed. I mean, it's not like, and they, I watched them in the end, in the the end of the Arizona game. I mean, they're obviously, and I think they're very well coached, but then there are other teams that I think can just go in there and just kind of wreak havoc. You know, here's the best way I can say this about this tournament, Kevin. You've played pickup basketball, right? <laughs> yeah, I am. I am a human. So, Mark, you've played pickup basketball, right? Never. No, yeah, of yeah, course. Never, huh? And you always get that guy, like you go to Lifetime Fitness, you're playing pickup ball, you always get that one guy that's the TJ McConnell type player that's like picking people up at three-quarter court and guarding them and like super intense. Usually usually these are like late 30s, early 40 guys with hairy backs and they're sweating and it's just and people are like, what is this dude doing, man? I'm just trying to get a little exercise, get a little run here. And it like totally throws people off their game. There are like eight teams in the field that that's exactly what they are. Like Memphis is like that. Memphis goes out and just wreaks havoc and presses and runs all over the place, and it totally throws people out of their game. And people that aren't used to seeing it, a la Purdue possibly in the second round, it can give you some fits. Then you got other teams that are just senior-laden, solid, probably unflappable, but haven't beaten anybody. Oral Roberts. Can they beat Duke? I don't know. I thought Memphis was good on offense, but bad on defense. But they—they're. They're I'm not saying they're great defensively, but they—they 
they press you and they run all over the place. They just they they take you out of what you want to do. They're not. I'm not saying they're intense like in your face garters. They just their pace and their frantic nature throws wreaks havoc on people. I've had nine straight seasons of a five seed or lower make the final four. Nine straight. Anybody really? jump out to you? Five seed or five lower. Five or lower. Kentucky. Kentucky, Kentucky. The Kentucky-Providence matchup is one of the more fascinating ones because Providence's best player is a Kentucky transfer. You have this Ed Cooley cloud hanging over him of him possibly going to Georgetown, an intra-conference. Good coach, by the way. You know, change there. Uh, that is your CBS game on Friday night at 7 o'clock. No surprise there. Uh, Kentucky is six seed. I, I know this team does not qualify as five or lower, but I, I am probably going to ride with UConn. That's fair. UConn is a four seed. I know that's a loaded region out west, but that's a team that he, I like that they're in Albany for the first time. Here's the rounds. other thing that, that is intriguing. And first off, by the way, like there are, if you look at hot teams coming in, like Duke is a hot team coming in. Well, do they stay hot or do hot teams... Have they exhausted all of their fuel and they get in and boom, they immediately get upset by Oral Roberts. You know what I mean? But then the other thing too, there are teams in there that have had really good years, but they're not traditionally great programs. And so you're like, eh, for example, Kansas State. Is Kansas State good? Right. I throw Texas A&M. Texas Christian, TCU. I mean, TCU is a six seed that could they could make some noise. In the Big 12, the best conference all year long. So you look at TCU, you look at Kansas State in that conference. You know, by far the Big 12. You know how what kind of the middle of the pack teams in that conference play in the tournament. Like, are you sold on Marquette? I am not. No, I, I think actually Purdue got a nice draw when you look at it from that standpoint. You look at like a two seed Marquette, a three seed Kansas State. I know it's the bottom of the region. You only see one of those. I honestly think one of Purdue's toughest games, maybe the toughest in the entire region, would be that second rounder against a team like Memphis that has a very elite guard in Kendrick Davis and a big guy that you know at times could probably you know pull Zach Eady away from the basket a little bit. So that matchup because. Whether they play Memphis or Florida Atlantic, Florida Atlantic's got a seven-one, two hundred and forty pounder. Um, again, you don't often see anyone that comes close to even looking Zach Eady in the eye. That would be um, a really interesting one coming up on Sunday. Yeah, I was thinking about this yesterday in terms of Indiana. I would say one of the positives that IU got from the Big Ten tournament, and it's weird because they split. They lost to Penn State, and you know you kind of feel like, man, that's you know you were all this anticipation over Purdue and Indiana playing on Sunday for the Big Ten title, and you didn't get that. I would say one of the most positive developments for Indiana at the Big Ten tournament is Malik Renew had back-to-back nice games. I'd agree with that. And you might look at this as a negative, but Tamar Bates certainly filled it up against Penn State. Yeah, and I know Tamar Bates doesn't need a and whole lot. And those are two guys that I've been pretty light. critical of. But the rotation's down to seven for Mike Woodson. So from a Malik Renew, Tamar Bates standpoint, if you can get that out of them into the tournament, that will be something uh, that obviously would be helpful. We're going to have Rob Senderhoff, the head coach of Kent State, on the show tomorrow. Um, I, I, If I'm an IU fan, I'm very worried about Kent State. I think that's fair. Jake, the more I look at it, I think that's fair. They lost three games in the non-conference. At Charleston, Charleston is what, a 12 seed, 31 win Charleston. At Houston, that's 
number one seed in that region, uh, at Gonzaga. Jake, they led all three of those games with less than three minutes to go. They were leading Houston with under a minute to play. Yeah. I mean, this is a team that has been battle-tested. Again, true road games. Um, you know, you can argue about certainly finishing off those, you know, big-time upsets in Houston and Gonzaga's case. But this is a team that I look at Indiana's draw, and I almost think Kent State might be the harder matchup than what they would see in the second round. Miami's best, one of their best players is banged up. Um, we'll see if Drake can, you know, maybe pull off that upset as a five twelve. But I think Kent State. I, I fully understand why Vegas has got that line hovering right around four or five. Is Alabama experienced enough to be able to? Like, are they mature enough? To go deep and get into the Final Four? I mean, they're talented enough yeah, for sure. It's, I just don't really know where they get tested. I, I think that region, though, I mean, that Baylor, Alabama, or I'm mean, excuse me, Baylor, Arizona. I do like Arizona, but, you know, again, they've got some injuries in the backcourt. Do they have enough guard play? I mean, we saw their front court against Indiana earlier this year. So we'll have Bruce Weber on at 930 to chat more about that. I, I you know, I brought it up briefly yesterday. I don't know if you make too big of a deal out of it, but if you're looking for positives for Purdue, you know, they're slotted into Columbus the first two rounds. Obviously, you don't worry about them the first round. I do think that second round matchup, no matter who they get, Memphis, Florida Atlantic will be a really, really good game. If you look at it, one of the best shooting performances Purdue has had all season, particularly away from Mackey, was in this arena, was at Ohio State earlier this year. And I think if you look a little deeper at that game, the guys that shot it well. I mean, we're talking about, you know, Fletcher Lawyer, and we're talking about David Jenkins, and you know, even Ethan Morton shot it uh, pretty well. Braden Smith had a nice shooting performance. I mean, those are some of the guys, particularly Lawyer, who has really struggled as of late. Those are the guys that you need to get going. Because if you think back to what Purdue did early in the year out in Portland, they shot it tremendous in you know those arenas out there. Um, I think that will obviously be critical to advance into the Sweet 16. I used to love my favorite part of the tournament when I was a kid, and and all the way through when I was in college, Kevin, and you you touched on this yesterday, was waiting to see where Indiana was going to go. You know, Rich Nye actually, when he was doing sports primarily for 13, Rich Nye used to do, he would travel out with IU or Purdue or wherever he was assigned and on the first day, you know, the, the the day like today or tomorrow before the games began, he would always do like a little feature on the city itself. You know what I mean? Like what's life like in Providence or Albany or, you know, these these cities. Like I always love that about the NCAA tournament. You just have all these teams that are just dispatched to these mid-market cities, many of which have radio shows that rank higher than us uh, across the country. Sadly. Um, and... and the one thing that I missed, now this is my annual old guy yelling at clouds rant, but I think most people agree with me on this. I can't remember where you guys stand. I hate the homogenized floors. Oh, without question. Yeah. I have vivid Not memories of uh, Hampton being Iowa State on that orange floor in Boise. And yeah, the, and or the coach like, running around like a madman totally. jumping on the scores. Or table. the Knoxville floor with Glenn Robinson. I mean, you never forget where those games are because yeah. you remember exactly what the floor looked like, right? Yeah, senior year spring break for me was in Portland. That's where Indiana was for the first two rounds. You went? Uh yep. They played, you know, what what was it at that time? The Moda Center. Yeah, that's well the Blazers Arena, right? right. The Rose Garden or whatever. Yeah, the Rose Garden, I guess. Um that's where they were playing. So 
Um, I do think that is something that I, again, when you're out there, it felt kind of more like an NBA feel to it all. Um, but that was something that was a cool experience. Indiana was a real late game. I think it was honestly probably the same tip time they had this Friday against New Mexico State, and then they beat VCU on a Will Sheehy baseline jumper there late to go to the Sweet 16. Uh, line- where, did they, where did they go from there? Uh, they went to the Georgia Dome, played Kentucky in a thriller, a rematch That's right. of the watch shot game. Great game. Probably the Victor Oladipo game that really cemented him on an NBA level, but terrific game. Oladipo, I think, fouled out with like boy, a handful of minutes to go, and it was back and forth. I mean, we're talking high scoring. Um, Kentucky was really, really good in that game, and that was obviously the Kentucky team that went on to they were loaded man. That's the last time, Jake, we did not have a five seed or lower make the Final Four. So it was 2012, right? 2012, yep. Yeah. So the next year was IU preseason ranked number one. Then Wichita State started getting in Final Fours, and all hell broke loose, right? Uh, yes, exactly, right. You had Sister Jean company. Aaron tweets here, different building in Columbus. I, I stand corrected. Apologies on that. They'll play in a different building, Purdue, and that. Well, maybe the Columbus feel will be good for Purdue. They will not play in Ohio State's arena coming up Yeah, they play on Sunday. It's kind of like we were talking about with Kansas City. They have two arenas downtown. Is it the Blue right? Jackets Arena? Correct. Would that be Correct. where they're playing versus, is it Value City maybe? Ohio There's State? the Shotton something center. Yeah, that we... I think that's where Ohio State right. plays. So thank you to Aaron for that. Apologies on that for the Boilers. Uh, Jake, linebacker-wise, Bobby Okereke to the Giants. EJ Speed back. This is how I thought it would play out. Totally good with it. Finances, I think, play into it. Uh, any thoughts on uh, the linebacker Yeah, moves? I, I think... I think both of those were a little expected, and I was pleased, Kevin. I, I think you agree with me on this because you know we we briefly mentioned it. Um, this is one area where the Colts have been really good, and that is, and this goes back even pre Ballard, just kind of the way it's worked with the franchise. Really, is the phrase "next man up" is the most overused thing in sports, but I think it's been very well applied for the Colts linebacker unit, and all the way back to like. Mike Peterson and Marcus Washington and Cato June, like linebackers have good success in Indianapolis. They get good numbers. They move on elsewhere. You wish them the best. Oftentimes those numbers are not replicated where they go to greener pastures. But uh, the Colts have done a good job. It's a position where they've developed well. And Zaire Franklin really elevated himself last year, right? Leads the league in tackles, sets a franchise record in tackles. Bobby Okereke was a really good player for them, and I think a really valuable piece, Kevin. But at the same time, I think that he probably played himself into a role that wasn't necessarily going to be the best fit in Indianapolis. And so, therefore, the next guy that I think showed enough flashes to say, we are confident he is going to be able to pick up where Okereke left off, is EJ Speed. I thought that was a nice re-sign for EJ Speed. I was a little... You know, the Colts know what they have in him more than what other franchises would have come to, to kind of get into a bidding war for him. So it makes sense to me on both accounts. I wish the best to Bobby Okereke, who was a good player here and did what was asked. And EJ Speed, I think, is ready to fill that void. 17 tackles Bobby Okereke had in that week 17 game against the Giants. Uh, remember his hit against Daniel Jones sparked quite the reaction on the Giants' sideline? Wonder if those two will have to have a little bit of a chat before Bobby. Well, what did heads you in think of the speed deal? 
Uh, great with it. Yeah, yeah, totally good with it. I think financially, Bobby Okereke, you know, to your point, Jay kind of priced himself out. Right. You've spent too much a linebacker probably anyways, um, and you just can't move the Leonard contract. I mean, I know so many people say cut Leonard, trade Leonard, all this. No one's going to do that. No one in their right mind around the NFL would do that. By the way, Shaquille Leonard, he was very active last night on social media. Did you see that? Did not. Boy. You know, I'm scrolling there, checking my phone. My wife's watching The Bachelor, and I'm like, gosh, what? why did Shaquille Leonard just favorite five tweets that I'm tagged in? Oh, wait, <laughs> he's busy searching his name. Here are the tweets that Shaquille Leonard favorited, liked, whatever you want to call it, last night on Twitter. Uh, again, I was tagged in all these. Uh, Shaq Leonard is overpaid and highly overrated. Liked by Shaq. I would have moved on from Leonard and kept Okereke. Liked by Shaq. Rather have cut Leonard. Liked by Shaq. Bobby was playing better than Shaq. And lastly, uh, this is a little bit of a longer one. Uh, problem is Bobby's better than Leonard. I'm sorry, he is. Shaq is 90% of the game, but 10% is a turnover sack. Go watch Leonard film. It isn't pretty. Like by Shaquille. Do you remember last year, about this time, this is, my, this is the Radio Jake Quarry equivalent of liking tweets. Do you remember uh, about this time last year when one guy said on the radio that while Shaquille Leonard is a very good player, he was perhaps a little bit overrated because even though there were plays he made that were dynamic, the plays that he, the other plays he had at times could be very ordinary. Mm-hmm. Do you remember somebody saying that? And like people, and like, and that guy just got absolutely killed by people that were like, you have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, and then a year later, people are like, you know, he might be overrated. What? I think his health plays into the overration. Uh, uh, no, that's a very fair for sure. I mean, I think yeah. when healthy, he gives you a defensive jolt that you need. He does. I mean, there's no doubt that you need some playmaking on that side. Of the and world. there's no doubt, Kevin, that he, having him on the field is a security blanket of knowing that a turnover could be coming at any time. I, there's no doubt about that. But you have to wonder at this point whether or not. He's ever going to play at that level again, right? Yeah, it's a huge question. A um, couple things to note on EJ Speed: uh, most special team snaps for the Colts last year, so he obviously helps you out there as you transition to a new special teams coordinator. And I think he provides like some insurance for Leonard, but also has potential. Which you know, oftentimes when you call someone insurance, you don't think of them as a high upside guy. I think Speed still has that. Remember, he was, you know, like part wide receiver, part quarterback, linebacker as well at Tarleton State. When you drafted him in 2019, you were like, oh boy, you're going to need to commit several years before he reaches his potential. So I still think the Colts feel like there's more in there. And I think when you watch him, you see flashes. Um, so I think this is a very smart re-sign. Two years, reportedly up to $9 million for EJ Speed. So, so far, EJ Speed, Tyquan Lewis back, Bobby Okereke, to the Giants, and I believe Colts fans are rejoicing to see Brandon face on corner back to the Raiders. He used to play there. Outside of that, and of course the kicker move, which we'll chat more about that. Relatively quiet first day of free agency for the Colts. Uh, we'll take your calls coming up. 317-239-1070. Continue to give away um, NCAA tournament numbers. Uh, the Pacers, or I should say the Mad Ants, and Motor City Crews played last night in Detroit. The Motor City Crews beat the Mad Ants in that one. Um, so that's good news for the old tank standings. Uh, we'll chat about that coming up next. Kevin Bowie, Jake Quarry, Mark Dykton. Omaha! 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 
on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. All right, last night in Detroit, the Pacers looked like a team that had spent about four nights in the city of Detroit and wanted to get the hell out of there. Uh, They lose 117-97. Again, for those that haven't been paying attention, the Pacers and Pistons played Saturday night in Detroit. Again, they played last night in Detroit. And both teams decided to sit all of their important players. Uh, Jake, I know this because Corey Joseph had 22 points last night. Corey Joseph, the leading scorer, former Pacer last night. Question is, you beat him on Saturday by 5. You come back and you get blown out of the building last night. Basically, same rosters on both sides. So, Rick Carlisle... Please explain to me the difference between Saturday night and last night. Well, there were a lot of easy shots early last game. You know, they they were, <clears throat> you know, they struggled defensively to start the game. Things came easy to us. Um, you know, they flipped the script on that. You know, they, they were physical. They had a lot of presence. Uh, Omarui starting gave them more quickness <clears throat> and toughness in the lineup. And, uh, you know, their guards were um, very present on the ball. So... Um, you know, we had some shots, but the majority of them weren't great shots, and so we struggled to to make. It'll be at Milwaukee on Thursday. Giannis made his return last night, and then home to the Sixers on Saturday. It's the only home game in an eight-game stretch for the. Uh, tonight, it is- tonight it is annual. Find out if you have True TV night. Uh, NCAA tournament play-in games tonight, beginning at six forty. Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, and Southeast Missouri, and then. Mississippi State and Pitt following that game. It's I like how it says here, uh, what, like 9-10? Yeah, it's probably not going to be 9-10. I think Texas A&M Corpus Christi is coached by a painter assistant. Really? I think so. I should probably double-check that. Didn't That's the they, Islanders, is that right? Didn't Texas A&M Corpus Christi, aren't they one that had an upset or two a few years ago? Hmm. Am I right in that? I, I don't know. Did I hallucinate that? I, I, I look that? at their colors and I think Florida Gulf Coast. Yeah, are they blue and green? Yeah. Yeah. But why am I thinking that they won like a game of significance at one point? I'm I, sure at some point. They Steve did. Lutz, that's who it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Steve Lutz, their assistant coach there. Uh, yeah, so that would be the plan tonight. Again, Purdue is going to play the winner of tomorrow night's play-in. That's Fairleigh Dickinson against Texas Southern. You know Fairleigh Dickinson is only there because Merrimack wasn't eligible. Are you serious? Merrimack beat them in the conference championship game. Merrimack is like Southern Indiana. So Southern Indiana uh, plays in their conference tournament, but they're ineligible to play in the NCAA tournament for four years. The transition from D2 to D1. Uh, So that happened to Merrimack. So, yeah, that's who uh, Purdue could get on Friday night. And as Jake said, Pitt and Mississippi State. That is the nightcap. So this time last year it was Indiana uh, and Wyoming. Today is the one-year anniversary of Reese on the show. You want me to give him a call? You think he's blown out like a cupcake this morning? Did Wyoming just miss it, Jake? <laughs> no, Wyoming was terrible this year. Reese had a long year, man. God, it's crazy to think IU was in the play in last year. What a great feeling not to be dealing with Dayton. It was fun, though. That Indiana-Wyoming game was pretty no, fun. Well, it was like, well, yeah. You can argue what's the biggest highlight for Indiana in the tournament the last five years. That that win over Wyoming or the cheerleader getting the ball off the top of the goal. I forgot about that, too. That was the highlight of the St. Mary's game. Uh, Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, lifetime 0-3 in the tournament. So Wyoming Cowboys, poke, poke. 
Poke, poke. That's right. Uh, a couple yeah. other uh, tidbits on the women's front. Uh, IU women are going to play Saturday at 11.30. So think about that turnaround. You've got the men Friday night at 9.55 approximately. That game gets over at whatever, 12.31. And then at Assembly Hall Saturday, it's 11.30 a.m. So for the fans looking to catch the men and the women, that's a quick turnaround Friday into Saturday. Uh, and Jake Fadmata has had several guys, including Boy. arguably his best player, transfer out of the program. Four of them, right? Saying that they're going to the portal? Jaden Taylor included in that, the Perry Meridian product, obviously the Indy native. You know, I remember when the whole thing happened, I guess, a week ago today, or maybe it was a week ago Wednesday, the Eric Hunter, Manny Bates thing. I was talking with somebody inside the program saying uh, there's going to be a lot of roster turnover. Because no. Jaden Taylor, that's a guy that you'd think on paper you'd want to retain from a scoring standpoint. But um, yeah, four transfers already for Thad Model. All of them Laval Jordan recruits. 173 players yesterday in college basketball entered their name into the transfer portal. I think the entire Notre Dame basketball team. And it is really easy to sit here and do a soliloquy about how absurd that is. And then I think about it, Kevin, and... Yesterday, I was with a math tutor for a couple of hours because at the age of 50, I'm trying to finish my college degree after attending not one, not two, but three universities before the age of 22. So who am I to sit here and critique young people on what they want to do that's the best fit for them? Is it ill-advised if they think it's because it's going to advance their basketball career to get them to the next level? Maybe. But part of being a young person is learning from your mistakes or putting yourself in position to better yourself. Curious, too, that number, how many, again, are like the Notre Dame guys where they don't currently have a head coach at yeah. their school. Yeah. So how many of them you know, are Georgetown, Georgia Tech? I guess Georgia Tech hired Damon Stoudemire. I didn't still, realize Josh Pastner was out at Georgia Tech. He should have been out like six I totally, years ago. Totally agree with yeah. that. But but I I never heard that he – you know, that's a decent program. You'd think they should be a lot better. I mean, hell, they had a couple runs. You know, they've had runs at various points throughout the history of their program. But yeah, Damon Stoudemire to the Yellow Jackets of Georgia Tech. All right, we come back here on Kevin and Query. Uh, the Colts, they've made a free agency splash. Insert your joke here. It's a kicker. We'll explain more coming up next here. 93.5175, The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. That apparently is the question that was circling around the Colts complex over the course of the offseason in Chris Ballard's mind, so the Colts have addressed that need 
with the largest free agency, and to your point, Kevin, not a lot of times that free agent kickers come up on the market, but the largest free agency kicker signing in NFL history coming to the Indianapolis Colts. Question for you, Kevin Bowen, on this Tuesday morning, and good morning to everybody here on Kevin and Query, 93.5-1075. The fan will give away numbers you, Mark. coming up this morning as well. But, Kevin, now that Bobby Okereke is on his way out, EJ Speed was not allowed to leave the building, and the Colts have addressed the kicking need. The next thing in terms of where the focus centers for the Colts and free agency is where? Yeah, two guys to me, Jake, stand above the rest, and that would be Paris Campbell and Yanni Kingakwe. Um, Rodney McLeod would probably be next, but again, I think there's a debate there about does he want to play? And then the Colts, you know, they do have some young safeties that they like, but McLeod was a key guy for them once the Nick Cross rookie season turned to kind of a redshirt year for him. But, yeah, it's really boiled down to probably two, maybe three notable names. I mean, you've got some other kind of fringe guys of an Ashton Doolin or a Matt Pryor. But, obviously, with the Matt Gay news, Chase McLaughlin is not going to be brought back. So, um, you know, in just kind of the wee hours of last night, things picked up a bit in terms of getting things settled. Bobby Okereke was a little bit after dinner time, and then EJ Speed and Matt Gay after about 10 o'clock. Um, again, I know a lot of people will look at this kicker signing and be like, Chase McLaughlin was fine, or was better than fine. Um, if you look at his career, Jake, the question that you would have after last season was, was that an aberration? Was that an outlier? Like, If you look at what he or how he's kicked in other stops, it didn't look like last year looked. And you know, I mentioned this a few times last season with Chase McLaughlin of like, boy, it's not the prettiest looking kick. But it did go in more often than not. Right. <clears throat> and part of me was like, who cares if it doesn't look pretty as long as it goes in? Which, you know, I, I understand people that just fall on that and, and that's the only thing that matters. I think the signing of Matt Gay offers you the potential for more consistency more reliability, and this is a guy that I think has always been viewed as a kicker with more of a higher ceiling. He was a fifth-round pick in 2019. That, of course, is very high for a kicker. He actually was was on was a COVID kind of insurance policy for the Colts back in 2020 on their practice squad for a couple of months when they had Hot Rod. That was the year when you know a lot of the practice squad was just simply for COVID reasons at kicker and quarterback. Uh, but he has missed four total field goals the last two years. Last year, his misses were 51 and 61 yards. So um, he does not miss often. He is a long-distance kicker, and he's also kicked in the postseason. Perfect on extra points, 14 of 14, 12 of 14 on field goals in the postseason. Um, you know, longer than 50, he's 17 of 23 on his career. Again, I, I'm totally fine with this. Um, you're taking a position that was shaky for several seasons, found steadiness last year, and now you're trying to take it another rung up the ladder. I get a lot of people look at the price tag and be turned off by that. I mean, Chase McLaughlin probably wanted something just a little bit less than that, so I don't think it's that big of a difference. And you can clear cap space. Cap space will be no excuse, or shouldn't be any excuse for the Colts. They might use it as an excuse in paying other positions, but it should be no excuse for them this offseason. The the guy that I, and not talking free agency here, Kevin, but we have 
we have mentioned this before. You specifically have mentioned this on a number of occasions. Uh, I, I don't know that the Colts are in a situation yet where they've got to start getting creative with money. I, certainly, we see that in the NFL where teams, you know, you're like, wait a minute, the Rams come to mind. You know, how are they creating all of this salary cap space? And there are ways to kind of maneuver around and, and fudge the numbers, so to speak. But the Colts are not in a position where they have to do that. But should it come to that, Kevin? And I, I, I just think his play regressed and it had a ripple effect but what is the long-term status or for that matter the short-term status of ryan kelly yeah i would probably part ways with them you'd save around seven eight million this year you'd save i think it's north of 12 million next year um and yeah i think finding a starting level interior offensive lineman in free agency is something they need to do even if they bring back ryan kelly i mean who's your starter at right guard is it going to be will fries for another year um, and Kelly's, of course, been banged up as well. That is something that I would look long and hard at. I know Danny Pinter, a lot of you know, excitement has been there about, okay, you know, could he be a center? You draft him in the fifth round. I mean, Jake, if you looked at the centers around the league, probably many of them are kind of in that fifth round yeah, range. I just, you know? It's a position that it just seems so specialized that if you have a guy that, that you are comfortable, and I'm not saying that you're comfortable with the way Ryan Kelly played last year, and especially for the money that you're giving Definitely him. Definitely not for the money. Right. I mean, that's the big question. That's the big issue there, right? But um, I think it's a position, Kevin, that's as important as a lot of them in football that you just don't think about the importance of it. Because in particular in this market, because we were so used to seeing solidarity and stability at that position until we saw Sam Sensatelli there. And then you're like, wait a minute, maybe this is uh, more important than we thought. But I just felt like Ryan Kelly's regression last year had a rippling effect throughout that offensive line. Quentin Nelson's health probably didn't help as well, but you've got to get that position stabilized. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, you know, obviously the Matt Ryan thing, uh, his roster bonuses are due on Friday. So you would think something would happen by then for him. Um, again, what are they waiting for? You know, I, you don't need to do anything now. So I think what you do oftentimes, and you see this across all sports, I think you often see teams wait until the deadline to make a certain move just in case something wild happens and who knows how you need to react. Again, I can't foresee what that wild situation would be that all of a sudden you would want to bring back Matt Ryan with the amount of money that he's due for 2023. Um but again, this is not stopping the Colts from doing things now. Like, if they wanted to do stuff now, they could. It's twofold. It's Chris Ballard, again, wanting to be prudent, wanting to be patient. And I think some of it is Jim Jim, Jim Mersey. I do. I, I don't think we talk about that enough. I don't think Jim Mersey is willing to spend upfront money as much as other owners around the NFL. I think that's a big part of this. You know, Jake brought up the Rams earlier. The Saints would fall into that boat of a team that is able to maneuver the cap in, in, in different ways. I just don't think the Colts are big spenders, and I think the owner is rather content with that from a free agency standpoint. That's fair. I mean, I, free agency, you know, what did Bill Polian always say? You're paying for somebody else's leftovers? Or, I, that's a paraphrase, but... Yeah, you but know, you know what? Polian did that, Jake, and he drafted a handful of Hall of Famers 
at important spots. Right. Chris Bauer has not done that at the important spots. So Fair. when you I, don't I do that, that in the draft, you've got to, I think, supplement in free agency more than the Colts have. I'm not asking them to do what Ryan Grigson did in 2013 or 2015, but I think you have had avenues to spend a little bit more early on in free agency, and there's been a reluctancy from the GM and a little bit from the owner in doing that. I just feel like at times... There, I'm not saying it's even specifically the case with, with guys that we're talking about right here. But in free agency, one of the things you always have to ask yourself is why why is there a hard number on what his existing team is willing to pay him? And it might be because that team is in financial straight. I like get Bobby Okereke. Correct. This year. That's you know? fair, yeah. So I, I look at the Giants and think, okay, that makes a lot of sense in what the Giants did. So yesterday, again, a lot of offensive line movement, not really much on the wide receiver front. Again, those are two positions the Colts, I think, have some needs at. Um, So we'll continue to watch. Can I confess to you one thing in the NFL that I just don't care about? Sure. I I think it has no impact on the NFL this season at all. And I just don't care. I'll tell you... In a couple of minutes. How's that? i got to formulate how I'm going to say it. I'm on the edge of my seat right now. I'm sure you are. Uh, we'll give away some bracket numbers as well. Don't Coming fall up, off the edge, though. Bruce Weber going to join us at 9.30. Zach Kiefer at 9 o'clock. Kevin Aquari here, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. 107.5 The Fan. Okay, a couple of house cleaning notes. First off, NCAA tournament tonight is... Play in game night number one. Things getting underway on True TV. Uh, a couple of 16 seed play in teams tonight at 6:40, and then after that at not the Purdue 9, teams, 10. not the ones that Purdue will potentially play. That's tomorrow night. Uh, I think that's right. Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, and Southeast Missouri tonight at 6:40, and then 30 minutes after that, Mississippi State and Pitt. Um, also. Road conditions, several people. If you are just getting out and about, please be careful. It is surprisingly slick this morning. I say that just because it's not like necessarily you are anticipating that over the night there was a lot of precipitation. I appreciate the text here. Uh, Jake, you might want to let people know that 74 eastbound between Pittsburgh and Brownsburg is a parking lot. There's, It's like an ice rink. There are slide-offs everywhere. Also, just saw that Raceway Road and Washington Street eastbound on the west side of town also is closed now due to slick road conditions. So please be careful. Um, Kevin, I've tried my hardest to care about this, and I have racked my brain to find ways that this would have impact in the National Football League beyond the two franchises of which would be involved. But no matter which way I, I formulate it, no matter how many different areas and angles I approach it, no matter how many different variables I plug in, I'm using algebraic stuff now, uh, I, I, I can't find myself to care about where Aaron Rodgers goes. 
I, I, I think he's been a tremendous player, and he is one of the great quarterbacks that we've ever seen. But he is, while still playing at a high level, he is clearly entering the twilight of his career. If he leaves Green Bay, okay, uh, then the Packers go from whatever they were to probably around the same level. And if he goes to the New York Jets, then uh, okay, the Jets would be, they go from what, like a five-win team to an eight-win team in a conference that is totally loaded and in a division that has Bill Belichick, a somewhat rising Miami team, and Josh Allen. I, am I supposed to care like what impact this is going to have anywhere? You know, Rodgers has certainly worn, I think, a lot of people out. I'm probably one of them as well. But let's not act like the Jets were god-awful last year. They were 7-4 and four entering December. That's a 7-4 and four football team that if they had more competent quarterback play, they easily make the playoffs. And then they just absolutely yeah, I mean, I guess they fell were, on their face. They were in the playoff contention until the end of the year, until yeah, last I week. Mean, right? 7-4 and four entering December, but it, but and they then gonna... they lost their final... I think it was their final, well, whatever the math is on that, final six games to end the year. So it, it kind of goes back to Jay. I think more of that is, you know, is Rodgers still the MVP type of player? No, he's not. But he's not Zach Wilson. He's not Joe no, Flacco. I, I get he's that. not Mike White. I you get know, that. guys they were starting. And they do have good players in New York. I get that. But I. It just goes back, I think, to. Are the Jets going to be an AFC contender if he goes there? Again, if you're seven and four entering December and you get better quarterback play, you should make the playoffs. I I understand what you're saying and that the AFC East is good. To me, it just goes back to our first segment today. When you read off the 16 starting quarterbacks in this conference, it is unlike anything I've seen. Right, and you factor in their ages. I, I think that is something that's important to note as well. A lot of them are under the age of 27, 20, I would say north of 70%. Um, so I think the Rodgers fatigue is more of just like, dude, you know, you're in, you're locking yourself in a room for four days and all this drama around him um, and Green Bay hasn't gotten it done. I mean, he's a great player, there's no doubt. Him. Um, but I think if he were to go to the Jets and you look at what they did last year with very mediocre to bad quarterback play, you would have to not like totally write off the Jets being Kevin. a playoff team next year. And by the way, numbers giveaway coming up uh, in about five minutes or so. 239-1070 is the telephone number to call. Uh, you give us your favorite number, we will assign you an NCAA tournament team that has been randomly assigned to that number. Three ways to win that we'll go over, but what's at stake is dinner for you at Jay's Lobster and Fish Market over at the Garage Food Hall in the Bottle Works District in downtown Indianapolis. Let me ask you this, Kevin. Good Jimmy tried to text me to get a number yesterday, and I said, no favorites I can play I, here. I know. 317 I wish I could accommodate all the, the texts and tweets, but it's got to be over the... That's why we got the bracket challenge, so head to our uh, fan... Twitter account, Kevin and Query, uh, you'll find that link there. Let me give you a name, and you tell me if you think they're a better quarterback right now than Aaron Rodgers, okay? Trevor Lawrence. Uh, No. Joe Burrow. Yes. Patrick Mahomes. Yes. Uh, Josh Allen. Yes. Lamar Jackson. Boy, just so, so much of an availability thing with Lamar. You know, maybe in a one-game setting, I'd go with Lamar, but over the course of seventeen-game season, I don't know. Justin Herbert. I I'd go with Herbert. 
Okay, so right there at the very least, he is the one, two, three, four. You've got him at, at, at the very best fifth quarterback in the AFC, maybe sixth, seventh. And again, to me, that's more of a, ref- a reflection on the AFC than it is as Rodgers as a player. No, I, I get it. I, I get it. I'm just saying. Like, I have never. And like, I, I don't think automatic. I, I think there are people that think, I, to me, and I guess I'm probably now contradicting myself because I said I, I don't care about it and we're sitting here talking about it for the fourth straight minute. But <laughs> but the whole, like, what's Aaron Rodgers' decision going to be this year? And I'm like, I don't know. He's under contract. I mean, it just – at some point you say – like the Packers, you would think at this point, are like, just get rid of this guy. Well, the Packers, I think, pretty much indirectly have, have, have been have like – Have basically said that, yeah, right? He yeah, he has gone. Exactly. I mean, they're talking about him in the past tense, like all of those things. Well, they don't want to have to pay, you know, $58 million to a guy who's, you know – And they drafted but Jordan they signed Love him, though. in round one, you know, for a reason. So I think at some point you have to turn to that. Again, lastly on the Rodgers front, because we do want to give away some tournament numbers. You know, speaking in – Hyperbole is something I never want to do. Jake, when's the last time you've seen the AFC like this from a quarterback standpoint? Oh, I know. I, it's you know Manning, Rivers, Brady, Roethlisberger. I think you can take it one step further, Kevin, and say I don't know that we've ever seen a year where the NFL was so quarterback heavy in one conference versus the other. And again, it's a youthful, totally conference. That's why the Colts are in, in screwed. Correct. I mean, that's why Correct. when you look at it right now, you're like, Correct. where do you fit into this picture? It's such a dire, desperate situation. And when you go 4-12-1 like the Colts just did, and you don't have an answer at quarterback, that means you suck so bad you should find that answer. And the fact that there's uncertainty on finding that answer, I think just adds That to, means you suck so bad. Like, you go through all that pain, that means you should go find the quarterback. And the fact that you, we're having debate on how or where or who that quarterback will be, boy, it's just some serious salt in the wounds right now. That's why you got to get the fan base revved up with Matt Gay's signing. Hey, fourth downs. Yeah. Maybe I'm going for kicks. Colts are guaranteed to score 12 this year. That's here's, right. Set of nine. Here's how my night and morning was bookended. My night last night ended in going to bed with looking at a tweet from Mark Dykton that was like, I just can't fathom this signing at all. And then my morning began with Kevin walking in saying, I got no problem with it. It's good signing. <laughs> right? Do, do, do you hate it? I don't it, get it. You have so many other needs. I don't know why you're throwing that kind of money around at a kicker of all things. I get it. He's top five kicker. That's great. But you have so many holes on the team. Which is a fair statement. I, 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 don't, just, I don't And I don't think Chase McLaughlin was bad. I think he was a serviceable kicker. And I just feel like you could have gotten him for much cheaper than... What the pair, what the Colts just paid? You know what, Matt yeah, Gay. My thing is the money that the Colts spent on Matt Gay should not deteriorate them from I get making it. other moves. It's just an it odd might. place to put the money. You know I what think, a kicker is, Mark? What a kicker is a full battery on your cell phone. Yeah. You can get by without it, but man, it's awfully nice to have it. Mm-hmm. And you use the word serviceable. Yeah, you're taking serviceable to potentially a Pro Bowl level, and I think that is the appeal. With for a team game. that's probably... I'm not going to discredit other needs. They've got a lot of other needs. I'm good with yeah, this. Yeah, I mean, it, it's fine. I just think it's... Boy, <laughs> I, just, I don't get it with, with the needs that you need for a kicker. Should we okay. give away some numbers? Yeah, there are three ways to win in our number giveaway here. We'll go over this one more time. You call in, you give me your favorite number. We assign you a team that that number has been randomly assigned to in the NCAA tournament field. If you And we obviously document it. If you get the team that wins the national championship, 
you're getting dinner worth 100 bucks at Jay's Lobster and Fish Market in the Garage Food Hall in the Bottle Works District in downtown Indianapolis. Lobster rolls, crab rolls, shrimp rolls, and... Again, a New England style seafood shack right here in Indianapolis. Mark it's outstanding. Gives it the biggest thumbs up outstanding. ever. Outstanding. Uh, M- Maddie Bowen has also been there. I've ventured to a few others in the garage, but she is a big fan as well. Um, so if you get the national champion, you are a winner. If you get the double digit seed that advances the furthest, and yes, there is a tiebreaker to that if two of them from that are both 11 seeds lose in the same round, then you are also a winner. Or if you get the team that is blown out by the largest margin, you win hundred dollars for the grand prize fifty dollars in dinner for the other two prizes so let's get right to it hunter joins us hunter the punter from weebo right? right is that where hunter smith is that's right hunter what's your favorite number now hunter hunter we, great start we heard us on in the background are you being quiet because you're in a deer stand uh, okay oh are you there hunter do you have a number Okay. Hello. Yes. Yeah, you got to. You got to. First, the thing you got to do is get out of the airplane. The second one is to turn down your radio. Hunter, call us back. <laughs> let, let, moving on to Pat. Yeah, got no time yeah, for it. I mean, that's just. He was I, the first one calling too. Notre Good Dame Lord. basketball effort from this year. <laughs> All right, Pat, give us a number. Fifteen. Number fifteen for taken. Pat. Uh, fifteen is that here are the numbers that are taken. So if you're on hold, listen closely. These numbers are off the board. One, six, ten, twelve. 15 and 24 so any number other than those go ahead pat uh five number five pat who's your favorite team pat let me ask you that duke duke all right well you got uh a team that is coached by a local kid as a matter of fact michael shrewsbury from cathedral and his penn state nittany lions go to notre dame go to notre dame micah go to notre dame uh steve steve good morning Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? We are doing great. What number are you uh, giving us? Well, I'm going to use the number I always use. <laughs> it is going to be my wife's birthday and our anniversary, which is 17. Okay, well. That's. Now, was What's that your wife's name, Pat? Sorry. Uh, it's it's Steve, right? Is it? Oh, sorry. I was thinking Pat yeah. the last yeah, caller. Apologies what's, on What's that? your wife's name, Susan. And uh, Steve, where did you or Susan go to school? Uh, High school or college? If you went to college, college. We both went to Indiana University. Okay. Well, if you were ever in the Chicago area, you might have actually gone to see your Hoosiers play in this place, which seems to be home away from home when Indiana goes on the road. Northwestern. The Northwestern uh, Wildcats uh, off the board. Oh, boy, I wasn't too optimistic there. <laughs> wow, yeah. Uh, Northwestern, I think, is one of four teams I saw in the bracket, Jake, that has a trip of over 1,000 miles for round one. Really? At, she's in Sacramento to take on Boise State in a 7-10 matchup. Uh, all right, let's go to Mike. Mike, what's up? Good morning. What number are you giving us? Uh, 33. Micah, I'm curious. Do you enjoy the numbers game? You obviously called in, but do you do you find the segments remotely entertaining at all? Absolutely. Uh, Mike. What if he just said no? I, <laughs> no, the show sucks. I hate the numbers game. No. <laughs> Mike, are you a native of Indianapolis? Yes, I am. Okay, let me ask you. Are you a regular listener of the program? Yes. Okay, let me ask you this question, uh, Mike, as a trivia form. Every year just before Christmas, I have mentioned that uh, Shannon, my girlfriend, and I go and spend a weekend in this Midwestern city where I have enjoyed a few PBRs. What city is it? 
Whoa. Laverne and Shirley took place in this town. Pacers play there coming up on Thursday night. Oklahoma City. Uh, okay. Yeah, Giannis plays in this city. Shannon, hop in the car. We're going to Oklahoma City. Yeah. Mike, you got Marquette, number two seed. Based in Milwaukee, by the way, Mike. What in the that way was a screaming eagle. Screaming eagle. It was an eagle. See, I still think of Marquette as the Warriors. That was no Golden Eagle. That was a screaming eagle. Mark stuck in the non-PC 70s. Marquette, the two seed in Purdue's region there. Solid for Mike, despite the fact that he thinks they're in Oklahoma. That's uh, a fun road trip for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Oklahoma City, Shannon. You can watch those Thunder in. play. The Cowboy Hall of Fame is in Oklahoma City. We go there for uh, let's Reese do, Monaco, big fan. <laughs> let's do a couple more here. Uh, Brian. Good morning, guys. How's it going? Brian, we're doing great. How are you? Doing, doing great. Just doing a little school drop-off. Love it. Uh, you care to share the school? Uh, Traders Point up in Zionsville. Nice. All right, yeah. Brian, uh, you got us a number? Number two. Lucky number. How about this? One of the highest scoring teams in the nation, coached by Bryce Drew. I think some people believe this could be like the next Gonzaga. I know it's kind of a crazy statement to make, but a lot of potential for this new-ish program. That would be Grand Canyon. Is that, a, is that an online school? Is there a rival like University of Phoenix? Well, I don't, I don't have a sound it, for an antelope, by the way. Isn't Grand Canyon in Phoenix? Um. I think it is in Phoenix, yeah, because when you get off the air, like the Phoenix airport is covered in Grand Canyon University. Grand Canyon has got Gonzaga. That is a 314 matchup. That is your highest over under of round one, 155 and a half. All right, Kyle, you are up. What's going on, Kyle? Good morning, guys. What number you need, Kyle? 14. 14. Peanuts, doesn't he? You do sound a little bit like that, Kyle. Uh, this team, I think, is actually Can't won. wait to hear this sound. This could be a dark horse, baby. I'm telling you. They went and they ran Kansas off the floor in Allen Fieldhouse this year. Jamie Dixon's TCU Horned Frogs. <laughs> now, was that a normal frog or a horned frog? I put in horned frog. Frog pops up, so I don't know. They probably all sound the or same. Do you, do you Googling have, horny frogs I, I, over there. I didn't realize how many NCAA teams are named after animals. I know. <laughs> Till, there's, like 10, there's like 10 wildcats. TCU will take on the winner of tomorrow's second play-in game. That would be Arizona State and Nevada. And they get, if they win that, they would get the winner of Gonzaga and Grand Canyon. Should Mark, we do one more? Yeah, let's you're do flying one the more. ship here. How many, Mark? One more? Yeah, let's one do one more. more. Let's do Jeff. Jeff, what's up? Good morning, fellas. How are we? Jeff, you sound like a great individual. I hope you get a number that you like, or a team that you like. Jeff, have you called the show before? You do sound like a fun guy. I have called the show show before. Milwaukee, Jake. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. It's near Oklahoma City, right? Not Oklahoma City. That's right. Uh, (laughs) Jeff, what side of town do we currently find you on right now? Well, I live on the southeast side, just south of Irvington, and I, uh, my wife just dropped the kids off over at Zion Elementary out in New Pals. So any any uh, word on the road conditions over there? Uh, slow. Coming yeah. up 65 or 465 around the Noblesville, it was very slow. Jeff, okay. I went to the Irish Mud a few weeks ago. You, you, you been there recently? Manly's Irish Mutt. I happen to know the lady who owns that place. Really? Gentlemen. Yeah. Great establishment. It was fun being in there. Giacomo's Pizza, also a great place. Um, all right, a number, Jeff. 13. Ooh, Jeff. Our let me early ask numbers something. are going early. Jeff. Ooh, this could be what, shady, Who is Jeff. your favorite college basketball team, Jeff? Uh, I'm a Boilermaker, so Purdue. No, he, well, might, he might like this guy then. Yeah, you might like this guy. In fact, what if I told you this college coach has done many, 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 many times what you did this morning to the program, made a phone call? 
<laughs> it could be a few people. That would be Kelvin Sampson and the Houston Cougars. <laughs> Number one seed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Oh, very good by Mark Dykton there. Very impressive. Yeah, nice. uh, Marcus Sasser, the injury to watch there with Houston. And if you look at Indiana's region, Houston the one, Miami's the five, even Xavier's the three, Texas the two. Jake, all those teams have like notable injuries. Yeah. That seems to be the common theme. I mean, you can make the argument Indiana, of course, with Xavier Johnson. Granted, they've had to play without him for quite some time. And as you mentioned, Kevin, you know, Indiana, I think Indiana's got a lot of potential in this tournament, but at the same time, that's a tough first-round foe. I mean, I I certainly hope Indiana's not automatically looking past Kent State, right? Yeah, we're going to talk with Rob Senderhoff, the head coach of Kent State, tomorrow and talked about this a little bit earlier in the show. Kent State, their three non-conference losses, all on the road to tournament teams, Charleston, Houston, and Gonzaga. They had leads in the final three minutes of each of those games. They were leading Houston with like a minute to go at Houston. And Marcus Sasser did play in that game. I know he's been a little banged up throughout the season. Um, they were leading Gonzaga with like three minutes to go. I think Charleston had the lead with about 30 seconds. So this is a team that has been... Right there, late in games. Very small, which, you know, I think that obviously will be a question for Senderhoff and trying to defend Trace Jackson Davis, but they're not afraid to fill it up. We'll also have David Padgett on tomorrow, former Louisville interim for Rick Pitino, um, ESPN analyst. Now he called the conference championship game for Kent State. I believe he also called the Florida Atlantic game. So you know, one of the things maybe I'd some like insight to, into Purdue. One of the things I want to ask him. What has happened to Louisville, man? I, I mean, I know that that programs go through ebb and flows, but I, to go that low for Louisville, one of the proud, proud programs. And I mean, looks like they're bringing Kenny Payne back, right? You would think they would have made news yeah. by now. No, I think that's right. On the opening front, I mean, Jake, think about like the blue blood Big East programs that are open right now, and I'm talking old Big East: St. John's, Georgetown, and Syracuse. Yeah. Well, Syracuse, they feel right. I guess, yeah, interim. But, you know, different coaches in all three of those stops from last season. Again, Damon Stoudemire to Georgia Tech. I didn't, did I miss something? What, what, is there a connection there? I mean, Arizona guy coached at Pacific. I don't think there is. And you know what's, but he's on the Celtics staff right now. What's interesting to me is that Damon Stoudemire, who was a great point guard, obviously, played at Arizona. But Georgia Tech, for me, was always point guard you. I mean, Kenny Anderson playing there. I know, obviously, Dennis Scott was there, but um, Stephon Marbury playing there, Travis Best playing there. They always had great point guards. So it's kind of fitting that a point guard would would take over that job. But to your point, I don't know that there was a connection. I don't know Damon Stoudemire's hometown, but I thought he was a West Coast guy, right? Right. Again, did coach at Pacific from a college standpoint, currently on Joe Missoula's staff with the Celtics. I should also mention David Padgett, um, an IEPY assistant, former assistant. For Todd Howard and company over there at the jungle. Do we have a sound of a jaguar, Mark? Oh, I mean, or I just a general you. jungle sound? A general jungle sound? Well, we're going to go to my my all time favorites then. There we go. <laughs> I thought you were going to play Morris Day in the time. Do we have any bobcats in the tournament? No, oh, yeah, there's bobcats. Are there? Yeah, there's one. Really? Hold on, Montana State? Are they the Bobcats? Are they the Grizzlies? I think Grizzlies. I wrote no. it down. Where'd it go? No, Montana's the Grizzlies. Montana State's the Bobcats, right? Are and they? They're in it. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure they're in, aren't they? Aren't they in one of the players? Yeah, they've games? got Kansas State now. Three 
three fourteen matchup. Oh, I actually a, like I like Montana State cap, to cover Bobcat matchup. <laughs> oh hell yeah, I'm there. <laughs> you obviously have the owl sound for Kennesaw State, right? That's my owl. I can pull that, an owl sound if you want. Yeah, it was me. Can you spin your head in 180 degrees? I better go see QC Kinetics afterwards. I'm going <laughs> to rip my vertebrae. I appreciate that, Mark. Again, the play-in tonight, Texas A&M Corpus Christi, coached by former Purdue assistant there, Steve Lutz. Uh, they take on Southeast Missouri. And then the nightcap will be Pittsburgh and Mississippi State. Tomorrow night, that's when you'll get the winner of that first play-in game. We'll take on Purdue Friday, Texas Southern. Uh, who I think by all accounts is the worst team in the tournament. They're taking on Fairley Dickinson. And Jake, Fairley Dickinson qualified for the NCAA tournament because the team they lost to in the conference title game is not eligible. So they're not great. They're just fairly decent, right? Texas Southern, on the In my opinion, that sucks. Texas Southern was under 500. Weren't they going into their conference tournament? Well, I think they still are, right? Did I see 14 and 20? Is that right? I mean... Yeah, I would care to vent. They're going to have to play multiple conference tournaments to get back to 500. Uh, yeah, Texas Southern at 14 and 20. They're shopping around. They're, they're trying to play their way into other conference tournaments, right? Uh, we'll continue to give away some numbers throughout the show. Zach Kiefer joins us around 9 o'clock. Bruce Weber at 9.30, partly because eh, I guess we're a little bit lazy. I think we'll hold off on the pop quiz today. Scotty's not here. We also have some guests in the 9 o'clock hour. So no pop quiz today. Uh, let's do a morning check down. The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. All right. Hunter has texted me, okay? Okay. The hunter who had the issues on the phone? Yeah. Trying to call in for a tournament number. I got in but did not realize you guys were talking to me. You guys called me by Hunter and my name is Leonard. Well, I asked multiple times, Hunter... Doesn't help that the radio was on too. I feel like we got to give him a number, right? Now, now wait a minute. There's no way he's lying. Now wait a minute. I have a way to to run the number here and find out whether what number. I'm going to say give us a number. I think he deserves one. In honor of Shaquille Leonard favoriting five tweets last night of people ripping him, along with the Bobby O'Karake signing, we're going to give Leonard a number. We'll see how quickly he can text back. He looks like dots. Oh, uh, he's going with 33. Leonard, we already have 33. All right, isn't that what Mike said with Marquette? <laughs> That's correct, yes. Who are the Screaming it's, Eagles? Is that Southern Indiana? Southern Indiana is the <laughs> Screaming Eagles. That's I'm going right. to give Leonard a number. Jake, lead off the check down. Uh, congratulations, by the way, to Layla Hall of Zionsville. The North Carolina recruit is your 2023 Indiana Miss Basketball. So congratulations. That announcement coming yesterday. Uh, of course, the Indiana-Kentucky All-Star Game, she will wear jersey numero uno. Mark, you have a sound of a Norse? Yeah, sure. Northern Kentucky for Leonard. That is his 32. <laughs> they play Houston as a 16 seed I don't think, in round one. They could get largest blowout. I don't think his name's really Leonard. <laughs> I, he texted me a few months ago saying his name's Leonard. What the hell um, is that? It's a Norse. That's a horse. A horse is a Norse, of course. <laughs> no, it's not. A Norse is a fellow from the north. It's a Viking. Right? Well, the ho- yeah, Vikings right. ride horses. I don't have a Ragnar sound bite. Vikings don't ride horses. They're on ships. That's why they're Vikings. If they're on oh, horses, they're marauders. Oh, I've seen some ships with horses on it. Come on. Do you think uh, these last... Norse is a horse, of course. you think these last two Pacer games were the least paid attention to Pacer games of the year? <laughs> Mr. Ed over there? I don't think so. I don't know what he sounded like. I don't remember that show. <laughs> yes, I think these Pacer games are probably... 
interest is fading, especially when they're in Detroit for two games. Question is, Pacers last night losing big time to the Detroit Pistons. No Tyrese Halliburton, no Miles Turner. Uh, they were led in scoring by Jordan Juarez, 20 points. But the Pacers had beaten Detroit, of course, in the exact same spot just 48 hours earlier. So question is, Rick Carlisle, what's the difference between beating Detroit by five on Saturday and then getting blown out on a Monday? Well, there were a lot of easy shots early last game. You know, they they were, <clears throat> you know, they struggled defensively to start the game. Things came easy to us. Um you know, they flipped the script on that. You know, they, they were physical. They had a lot of presence. Uh, Omarui starting gave them more quickness and toughness in the lineup. And, uh, you know, their guards were um, very present on the ball. So, uh, you know, we had some shots, but the majority of them weren't great shots. And so we struggled to, to make. It sounds like those guys will be back. Halliburton, Turner, uh, TJ McConnell as well. Um, those guys should be back coming up on Thursday. Again, it is at Milwaukee. There's your Norse sound. <laughs> Thank you. It's about time you got it right. Vikings have been on horses. I, I will find a picture. Ooh, this is an interesting one. Speaking of Aaron Rodgers, Jake's favorite, the Jets actively working to reach an agreement with Alan Lazard. That is the Packers free agent. Alan Lazard, I think, has got some nice potential. I was kind of hoping the Colts might get involved with that one. So Mark. we'll see if... You're one, looking for a little a, Nathaniel a, Hackett, Aaron Rodgers, and one team that uh, could have been, you know, possibly trading up to three for quarterback. Looks like they have them. You see that the Falcons signed Taylor Heineke, former Washington Commanders quarterback. So how do they view that? Is that Desmond Ritter's job and Heineke's I don't know. the backup? That's a good question because Desmond Ritter was, you know, there was a third lot of, round pick. Yeah, but still, you would think. And then the other team, Mark Jimmy Garoppolo, of course, the mm-hmm. Raiders. They Jimmy drafted G. seven, so Boy, you would think be that handsome that. and be in Vegas. That must Takes. be nice. Yeah. Okay. What? As I'm just saying. As opposed to good being in him. California? Well, I'm just saying, good don't, for him. Don't think Jimmy G needs to be in Vegas to do well for himself. <laughs> uh, Mark, a Viking is on water. Once they die. Once they get to land, then what are they? A marauder. A marauder is essentially a Viking on land. If you look up marauder, by definition, it's one who pillages and moves in. They're basically a raider, like you know Jimmy G now is. Aren't Vikings mostly from like Iceland and stuff, though? They are on horses. They're not on horses. I think you're wrong. I, Do you know I, how hard it is to ride a horse on ice? I, I, not, I, I don't think so. Like I don't think Greenland you're thinking of. <laughs> I don't think Vikings are on horses. Although they Thank were. You. Thank you. Although to be Jake Query, they were in the second half of that game in December. Vikings I, 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 I Googled horses, Viking right? on horse. I've got a lot of images I'm looking at right now. That's a lot of horses and a lot of Vikings. Start times <laughs> okay. for the local flavor here in the NCAA tournament. Purdue is going to be 650. That should be 650 on Friday. Again, that's the first game in the evening region from Columbus. So Purdue should start at the scheduled time that we have. Indiana is 955 on Friday. That is approximate. Again, they're going to play Kent State. And the IU women will get their tournament run started at 11.30 a.m. That's ESPN2 this Saturday. They'll take on a play-in winner. The expectation is IU. Terry Moran's bunch will take care of business at Assembly Hall for the first two rounds and then head to Greenville for the Sweet 16. Now, tonight's 9-10 matchup is Mississippi State. That's Bulldogs. Mm -hmm. And they're taking on the Pitt Panthers, right? Correct. Yep. What do you want? You want sounds for everything? The wheel here? No, I, I, we're not giving away teams right now. I'm not. <laughs> okay, fair. Blowing so we, all the sound. <laughs> Boy, 
<laughs> Mercifully, we're going to take a break here. Zach Kiefer. Hey, get down. He's dog off my leg. Man, those are not bulldogs. Bulldogs don't I'm sure there's a couple in that mix. Jordal. I don't think I've ever heard a bulldog really make a sound. Exactly. All they do is like burp. I'm picturing the butler bulldog. By the way, speaking of bulldogs and greyhounds, did you see UND bowed out early? Did Paul they really? Charles Bunch, they lost in the opening round of the tournament to McKendry. I saw the McKendry basketball team walking around downtown yesterday. So their run is advanced. They've advanced to the first few rounds. I think the final from that region is tonight down at Nickerson Hall. All right, we come back. We'll get back into free agency. Jesus, there's an elephant in here. Colts have been active. Not, You're not a position. supposed to reference the elephant in the room, Mark. Not a position a lot of people want to see them active. We'll explain more coming up next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. All right, we're about a day into free agency here around the NFL. Pretty active. Probably no one more active than Mark's Bears yesterday. Chicago, especially on the defensive side of the ball, made some notable moves there. Um, Tremaine Edmonds, probably the biggest splash at linebacker. Mark, were you surprised Bobby Okereke not to the Bears, considering the Matt Eberflus connection? I mean, that was one I had circled, uh, obviously, with the Colts-Bears connection with Okereke. But then once the Tremaine Edmonds news came out, I was like, oh, that kind of checks that box off. So then I saw Okereke to the Giants. Like, oh, good for him. Yeah, something to note on Okereke in relation to the Colts. Again, he goes to the Giants four years, $40 million. I think it's 22 guaranteed. EJ Speed back to the Colts two years, um, up to $9 million. You look at that 2019 draft by Chris Ballard. Again, 2017, his first draft, tons of bust early on in that draft. Malik Hooker, Quincy Wilson, Terrell Basham. Then 2018, of course, one of the best drafts you'll you'll see, really, with Shaquille Leonard and Braden Smith and Quentin Nelson. Um, the 2019 draft is looking like a lot of misses. You traded out around one. Montez Sweat was the pick in your spot. He's a defensive end that's had close to 30 sacks in four years. That's obviously a number you would love to have. Jake, if you look at that entire 2019 draft, EJ Speed has been brought back. Again, he's a backup in all likelihood. We'll see about Paris Campbell. That's it. Everybody else is gone from that 2019 draft. You had a retirement in Kari Willis, um, but that is a draft that you did not have many hits on. Well, when you say EJ Speed is a backup, I mean, he's his role is going to be elevated, don't you think? Well, I, th- I still think when you're, you know, you only really play two linebackers now. You know, Leonard Fair. and Franklin will be your two starters there. Well, that's assuming you play a nickel. Now, the big question here, Kevin, is this. Bobby Okereke, you have to give him credit, played well and elevated himself. Zaire Franklin clearly did, right? With the absence of Shaquille Leonard. Leonard's health is a big question mark. And if that EJ Speed is their insurance policy, but Kevin, it's an insurance policy that they might have to cash in on, right? I think it's an insurance policy, though, that has some upside. You know, typically when you say insurance policy, I mean. it's a low ceiling. So I, I like EJ Speed well, no, in that. Yeah, role. I meant that not as a knock on him. Right, I'm saying there's right. a very good chance that he's going to be a guy who's, he is going to get much more increased reps. Again, Leonard is extremely optimistic um, about what that second surgery did for him. 
Obviously, the Colts would appear to have some optimism on that end. You don't truly know until he gets on the field and you see how he reacts. But, you know, to me, linebacker is a position that Chris Bowers drafted really well at. You know, you come back in the day three of this year's draft, you make a pick there, provide a little bit more depth. I, I, I'm totally fine with letting Bobby Okereke walk and bringing EJ Speed back. I, I think Speed, um, you, you know, you've got to be. I'm not going to say that I was surprised they got him for the amount they did, Kevin. But did no like did he not was he did he have no interest at all from elsewhere? Were there other any were there any other teams that saw him and thought you know what let, let's let's kick the tires here and and yeah get him in an elevated role? I thought there could be that. I thought another right. team could view him and say, hey, let's take a chance here at this guy being a full time starter because I think he has shown some of those flashes here. Um, as we sit here right now, I mean, the only other two, I think, in-house notable free agents for the Colts that we haven't seen a decision one way or the other, because I'm assuming Chase McLaughlin is now gone, would be Yannick Ngakwe and would be Paris Campbell. So we'll see how those two play out. Um, something to note on Matt Gay, and this is why, at the end of the day, I just can't get too upset about this. Jake, this guy has the fifth best career average in NFL history as a field goal kicker. Fifth best in NFL history. You go out and make a move for that, I can't get too upset about it. Yeah, I mean, the kicking position, Kevin, you know, I kind of flippantly said this earlier to Mark, but I'll repeat it and elaborate perhaps. You ever... You travel. You've taken flights, right? When you fly on an airplane, like before you get on, at least maybe I'm just the only one that's this neurotic. I'd like to think there are other people that share my neuroticism in this. When I when I get on an airplane, like there's this feeling of comfort of knowing that my phone is fully charged. Now, and I and I get on the plane and I'm like, okay, like there's just a there's something. You see people walking around airports and they're like, uh, you got somewhere I can plug in real quick i got an hour layover and i I gotta get some juice my point being there is a a level of security and knowing that your phone is fully charged it's not imperative it's not like the end of your day if it's not but it's a really good feeling to have that's kind of what kickers are right like it's not the the end-all be-all position but it's a really nice position to just have where you're like you know what i don't have to worry about it when adam and terry was here before he age finally set in wasn't it a comfortable feeling for you Colts fans to know like you know what if we get in position in field goal range then I feel pretty good about it or if the game comes down to it late in the game I know that the field is shortened for where we need to be because we got a good kicker I feel good about it it's a nice Kevin it's it's a nice security blanket to have it's honestly the reason why Cincinnati was in the Super Bowl two years ago Evan McPherson, their rookie kicker, every single playoff game, outdoor kicks, long kicks, he made that. I think they view Matt Gay as an upgrade kind of in that area of Chase McLaughlin, to use Mark's word from earlier, serviceable. Um, He also was someone that, if you look at his resume, 2022 was kind of an outlier. He's kicked for a lot of teams, has not had the same sort of success throughout his career. Matt Gay a little bit more on the potential. But having said that, this from Eddie. Only problem I have with it is that Ballard made kicker a day one priority over interior O-line, wide receiver depth, or corner. And he's not wrong on that. And 
like I said, they have got plenty of cap space to spend and address and could create more cap space. They can do that at other positions. This should not mean that, oh, we can't pay anywhere. Oh, we you know, we've spent all our money at, at kicker. This move should not mean that. And it better not mean that. Right. Because they do have more important needs elsewhere. Are they going to free up a lot of money for themselves? I think they uh I think they will part ways with Matt Ryan. That's seventeen million. That's a lot. Um and how much does Foles get you? Foles is just a couple on that end. And then the questions would become what about Ryan Kelly, who's hovering around eight million for next year? And then what about Kenny Moore? I mean, Ryan Kelly's the one that we talked about it earlier. I it it just feels like I don't know, Kevin. I did he regress last year? Was it was he hurt? Was he was Ryan Kelly mentally exhausted from understandably, you know, a very difficult familial situation and with his wife and you know, I mean, I absolutely understand that a hundred percent. Yeah, been through hell, right. And did it just wear him down, you know? So we'll see how the rest of this week plays out for the Colts. Activity still needs to be there for them. You know, when you mention interior offensive line, I'd throw in swing tackle. One way or the other, either you re-sign Yanni Kangakwe or I think you need to go out and find an edge rusher to support what you've got on that group. I still think those are positions of need. Mark, were you pleased with how active your your Bears were? Yeah, very pleased. Got linebacker help, you got an offensive lineman, you got a defensive end. Can't complain. Nothing to complain about right now. Now just get some more offensive linemen and more defensive ends and tackles. I thought you said there's nothing to complain about. Well, there's nothing to complain about, but there's more of my checklist. More checklist. Uh, Jameis Winston back to the Saints. I thought that could have been a name here as a veteran quarterback. Uh, I'll throw out a few names. Any of these you guys want as the Colts veteran? Gardner. Now, hold on. You're talking about a veteran backup, right? Correct. Yeah, I'm team start the rookie. Uh, Gardner Minshew, Marcus Mariota. Gardner Minshew. Teddy Bridgewater, Jacoby Brissett, Andy Dalton. Gardner Minshew because, again, he's been in Shane Steichen's offense with Philadelphia. So if you're trying to have that transitional you know, veteran quarterback that can fill in if need be and he already knows the system, I think that's a perfect fit. You know, I think a... Brissett might be going to the Bucks. by the way. What happened to Baker to the Bucks? That's That might be happening, too. They might have Baker and Brissett. I like I like Marcus Mariota, but... Two quite the personalities there. My thing with Marcus Mariota would be this. If the Atlanta Falcons aren't... They just signed Tyler Henneke, right? The Falcons did, yeah. Mm-hmm. If the Atlanta Falcons signed Tyler Henneke as the... Taylor start, Heineke. Or Taylor Heineke, sorry. Um, if they started, if they signed him from Washington as their starter, then that would indicate that Desmond Ritter is not yet ready to play, and that would lead me to wonder if he wasn't properly like molded by, even though it was only a year, Marcus Mariota. It, you know, I think Mariota did a good job in Atlanta. But you are asking, Kevin, for a totally different role here, right? And I guess a lot of it is, what are you asking? I, can you really – is Taylor Heineke really a guy that you're going to go win with? Well, Washington was knocking I mean, on Washington that door. I mean, Washington was okay with him, right? He's a better option than Wentz was for him. He was. Yeah. 
That probably says more about once than anything. Yeah. Um, all right, we'll continue to give away some bracket numbers for those looking to join our bracket challenge. Mark, you tweeted out the link earlier, right? Yep. So head to the Kevin and Query Twitter page, ESPN.com. You can find our tournament challenge bracket. Winner gets a $50 gift card to Jay's Lobster over at the garage up there in the Bottle Works area. Uh, coming up in the 9 o'clock hour, it's going to be busy. Zach Kiefer going to join us and Bruce Weber around 9.30. Kevin and Query right here. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. 93.5, 93.5, The Fan. Gosh, I love this music. So good, right? It's got to be one of the best sports themes around, right? Oh, easily. Old school CBS intro to your earlier point, Jake. Bring back the old floors. Oh, yeah. It's a must. Absolute must. Uh, all right, we're going to give away some numbers. We did that earlier in the show. A quick rundown of numbers we have given away. 1, 2, 5, 6, 10, 12 through 15, 17, 24, 32, and 33. So basically guess high, right? Or give us a high number. Sure. That's pretty much where we're at right now with the number giveaway. Zach Kiefer going to join us in about 10. Bruce Weber at 930. Dave, good Tuesday morning to you, Dave. Good morning. Dave, give us a number. 38. Number 38 for Dave. Dave, who is the team that you will be rooting for in the NCAA tournament? IU or Purdue. And are you, Dave... uh, No house divided there by Dave. Are you a regular listener of the program, Dave? Yes, and I've called a couple of times. Do you happen to know the alma mater of regular show contributor Stephen Holder? I should know, but I don't. What about it's the alma mater of Colt wide receiver Reggie Wayne? Miami. That is correct. Here I am. <laughs> Mark Dykton is on it. <laughs> <laughs> nice Mark Dighton is on it here. That is the U. Again, they're big man, a little banged up, which could be good news for Indiana, maybe not good news for Dave on that front. All right, uh, Raphael, let's go there next. Hello, good morning. Good morning, Raphael. Uh, give us a number. 47. Number 47, Raphael. Uh, are uh, you a backdoor cuts all day? <laughs> That's right. Raphael, just out of curiosity, are you a college graduate, attendee, alum of any sort? Ball State. Okay. Chirp, chirp. Uh, well, actually, you know, Ball State actually known by a lot of people as the Ivy League in the Midwest. Uh, you also got the Ivy League. Princeton. Princeton Tigers off the board to Raphael. Colleen Bone went to Ball State. Had a great day. Shout out to Ryan Bone. Happy birthday to my older brother today. 39. Oh, really? 39 for Ryan. I think that's how old Jake thinks I am. Did you get <laughs> 39. Your brother was born in 84. 84. Yes, look at that quick. Ryan Butler, Ryan Bowen. Uh, all right, let's go to Andrew. Good morning, folks. Andrew, are you more likely to be known by your friends as Andy or Drew? Uh, Drew, 100%. Okay. Yeah. All right, we'll go with Drew. Yeah, Drew, uh, your number, because we feel like we're friends. That's right, we are. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, the number of Mr. Reggie Miller, 31. Ooh, Drew, let me ask you something. Are you a, are you a fan of the Big Ten? 
Yeah, why not? It sounds good. Who was the last Big Ten school to win a Who's national championship? A Big Ten flag outside his house. That's right. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> last one to win. I Michigan. I Close. Go a little east of Ann Arbor, or excuse me, west. Michigan. Go a little west of Ann Arbor. Michigan State. That is correct. Yes. Again, nine straight years, Jake. You've had a team seeded five or higher make the Final Four. Do you think the seven seed Spartans will be in a few brackets? I mean, Tom Izzo is the type that would put together a run like that, but I think that USC first round game is a challenge for him. And then the two seed Arizona if Michigan State were to advance. All right, let's do a couple more here. Uh, David. Dave, David, we've got a lot of them. Uh, David, what's up? What's going on, fellas? David, uh, you David, seem you excited. sound like a nice guy. Yeah, you, you, you sound like a fun guy. You've got Southeast Missouri State winning it all, David? No. <laughs> Who you got, David? Give us a number. Let me have 23. Are you a Michael Jordan fan? Yes. What about, uh, have you ever, let me ask you something. Do you ever enjoy like shrimp creole, crawdads? Sure. That's all Cajun food, of course. You got the Raging Cajuns of Louisiana. Farmer Fran from Waterboy. It's Brian <laughs> Kelly's family. Oh, no. Now, they, is that, that used to be Louisiana Lafayette. Is that the same school? I, I, well, there's Louisiana Monroe also, right? Are they like Purdue, Fort Wayne? I think Louisiana Lafayette is the main campus, though, right? I think they were always a raging Cajun. Uh, should we do one more? Sure. Sure. Another Dave? Yeah, we had three Daves and a David. All right, Dave. Welcome. Hey, morning, guys. How we doing? Doing good. Dave, uh, you have a Cinderella story for this tournament? Uh, Kent State. Ooh, Ooh, so you're a Purdue fan, huh? No, I, I'm an IU fan. I, I just think IU's gonna, I think they're going down first round. Do you really? I, I think yeah. there should be legit worry, but boy, yeah, that's optimism at its finest, right there, Dave. Well, um, you got to be able to shoot, and I don't, and they can't shoot the ball. <laughs> seems like they don't shoot it enough. Would you list yourself as a pessimistic or realistic Indiana fan? Uh, I'm realistic. Okay. Uh, what number would you like, Dave? Let's go 19. Number 19 for Dave. That was a good song by Paul Hardcastle, I believe. Uh, Dave, here's a trivia question for you. You ready? Yes, sir. How often do you listen to this program? Uh, Pretty often. Where did I begin my college career? Oh, shoot. I got Kansas. Look at that, Dave. The number one seeded Jayhawks. Wow. That's a fictional bird, Mark. They're not real. I know. It's still a bird. Well, that's not at all what a Jayhawk would sound like. The little fella, he, he wears... He wears yellow buckled shoes for crying out loud. He doesn't strike me as little. Yeah, more of a Jayhawk for That's you. Probably more of a Jayhawk. The Jayhawk that I see it looks like he could be like a like a small forward. Yeah, like Bill Self, baby Jay. Bill it, Self out of, of the hospital. Everything okay there? Is he going to coach? Uh, Bill Self is going to coach. He had a heart catheterization. He had two stents put in. Um, it was not an emergency situation. He went in under some discomfort. They did a scan and said, "You know what? Let's get you taken care of." So two stents for Bill Self. Uh, the Dr. Motman of Lawrence took care of him, I guess. Uh, Florida, right? That's our last defending champ. Last time we went back-to-back. Is that correct? That's right, yeah. 07, 08. <coughs> what year was it that Butler gave him the best game? Or 06, 07? Didn't Butler give him the best game? One uh, of those yeah, tournament that, was, runs? that was Mike Miller's year, and they went to the national championship game. Oh, no, no, no. I, I'm thinking in the national title runs. Well, but... Yeah, Florida. Florida went to the national title game in the year where they Mike Miller had to hit a shot in the opening round right. to knock him off. But didn't Butler play like in the Sweet Sixteen with Billy Donovan one year? And 
think that's right. Noah and Horford. I thought it was 06, 07 when they won it. Or was it 07, 08? Yeah, it was yeah, right around 06 there. 06 was Mario Chalmers in Kansas, yeah. Picturing like Brandon Crone on one of those teams. Brandon Crone's a hot dog from Frankfurt. Brandon Crone's, I don't know if it was stepfather. He coach a butler. Uh, but Brandon, I, I believe it was Brandon Crone that was very close with Cleveland Harp, who was. Really? Yeah, I loved Cleveland Harp. Great guy. Great guy. The, um, the bracket here. Yeah, 2007. Butler, uh, Florida, Sweet 16. Man, Florida beat Purdue and Butler in back-to-back games. I have no recollection of Florida and Purdue in the second round that year. All right, uh, we come back. Zach Kiefer going to join us. Thoughts so far on, honestly, compared to what the Colts typically do, it was kind of an active first day. I don't know if everyone's thrilled with it, but we'll chat with Zach Kiefer next about that. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. We've got Zach Kiefer and Bruce Weber coming up in the 9 o'clock hour here. Zach going to join us in a few, and then Bruce Weber coming up at 9.30. Jake, it's a question I asked Bob Kravitz yesterday. More pressure on IU or Purdue? <laughs> For this tournament run, probably Purdue, and in defense of Purdue, that's an that's a pressure and an expectation that they uh, that their fine play has created for themselves, right? I mean, they're a number one seed, so there's a target. Any part of Purdue's going to bring everybody back, and IU's going to lose its two best players. Well, that's also a fair point. Um, Indiana may lose more than just their two best players, right? Um, and I guess I'm assuming Zach Eady comes back. I don't know if that's a lock. but I, I would think that Purdue might have a couple of names to throw in the transfer portal as well, though, right? Important people, I guess, is where I'm going with that. Purdue's obviously a very young team. There would right. be some retention there. You know, you can make the argument. I don't even think it's much of an argument, but a duo of Trace Jackson Davis and Jalen hood Shafino is the best duo IU's walked into a tournament with in quite some time. Yeah. So, it, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of torn on that answer. Obviously, Matt Painter would feel pressure, especially in getting to the second weekend and then trying to advance further than that. Indiana as a program, you think to yourself, man, losing Trace and Jalen Hood-Shafino, you got to hammer the portal to feel like you enter future years of feeling, you know, really good about yourself making a run that that program hasn't made, you know, even a second weekend type run in, you know, at least a half a dozen years. Doesn't it feel like Indiana has between – Malik Renew, Caleb Banks, Tamar Bates, I'll throw Geronimo in the mix. And and having nothing to do with those guys as people or as players, but just based on the law of averages and the and the log jam of minutes in some extent, doesn't it feel like one of those could transfer out also? Yeah, I know Geronimo was very close to transferring last year. Correct. So I, right now with the rotation, you know, pinched down to seven. You've got to think that he could be a guy. Now, if he looks at it and says, okay, Race Thompson and Trace Jackson Davis are going to open up a lot of minutes, you know, front court wise, Malik Renew, of course, will absorb a lot of that. We'll see. I do think, you know, a positive that IU got in the split in the Big Ten tournament was Malik Renew. I thought him in particular, Tamar Bates, certainly much better against Penn State. You know, that's critical for IU when Trey Galloway think- was as quiet as he was in the Big Ten tournament. You're going to need some help there and 
the bench, albeit just two guys, gave you some of that. I think it's unfair. I'm going to repeat what I said earlier. Two things. Number one, it's kind of unfair now, and I'm guilty of it, to look at players, Malik Renew comes to mind, and say, like, well, he was supposed to be a great player, and here it is. It's towards He's just now contributing. Like, what took so long? He's a freshman. I mean, we've become so accustomed to freshmen like coming in and getting minutes immediately that we forget that organically speaking, by the norm, it takes players a while. And then secondly, when it comes to the transfer portal, it's really easy to sit here and nitpick about young people trying to put themselves in a better position or they're walking away when it's tough. Whatever. Look, I went to three schools by the time I was 20 years old, 21 years old. And I was not alone. I knew plenty of kids that I went to college with that transferred from one school to the next, didn't work out their freshman year, they were homesick, they didn't like the classes, whatever it might be. We don't have a problem with it when it's normal students. We shouldn't nitpick when it's an athlete. Chat more with Bruce Weber coming up around 9.30. For now, though, let's get back into the free agency discussion. Zach Kiefer from The Athletic joins us. Zach, thanks for bumping up to Tuesday with us. it was late last night. Matt Gay, a big contract to hand to a kicker. Chase McLaughlin, in all likelihood, now is not coming back. The Colts are going to upgrade with a Pro Bowl kicker. Uh, your initial reaction when you saw that? I think this is the Colts exercising four years of frustration at the position, right? I mean, going back to that playoff game in Kansas City, just the disappointment of not making those kicks and then the disastrous 2019 for Adam Vinatieri. You roll the dice with an unproven guy in Rodrigo Blankenship for a couple years, and that really bit them hard early this season. You guys remember the tie in Houston in week one. I thought Chase was good the rest of the way, more 50-yard kicks than any Colts kicker in history, although part of that is due to the fact that the offense couldn't find the end zone, although that's not Chase's fault. But Chase was a good kicker. Matt Gay is a great kicker. They don't hit the market very much, and the Colts being the aggressive, the uber-aggressive free agency team that we know that they are, went out and signed them, and, and they have one less headache to deal with for the next couple of years. Did you say uber-aggressive free agency team? Was that in jest? Yeah, are you guys awake over there? I, I, I yeah, know. I'm I like, gosh. What, where was the response? Come I, on, guys. Wake up. I Gosh, I, I feel bad for us. I'm like, Zach, can't be serious with that comment. Um, okay, insert laughing after that, that comment. Um we saw it linebacker. I think that went how we expected. Bobby Okereke, just good for him. He priced himself out of Indy. EJ Speed comes back. That leaves, I think, really only two notable in-house free agents. That would be Yannick Ngakwe and Paris Campbell. How do you see those two playing out, Zach? Yeah, I think those are the last two of, of real big consequence. I think Paris is 50-50. I know they want to add some depth at wide receiver. I think it's interesting that we didn't see a single wide receiver signed yesterday. And let's be clear, this is not a great free agent class overall. It's certainly not a great free agent class for wide receivers. None of them signed yesterday. And I think you're seeing a little bit, just a little bit of a response from the teams, noticing how much these guys have been paid the last couple of years, right? They're almost, almost getting quarterback money. None of these guys are of that caliber. But I think Paris is, I think it's a, it's a coin flip. I think it's 50-50. It depends on what he gets on the open market. The Colts are probably willing to be patient, but they like him. And I think it's going to depend on what he gets from other teams in terms of offers. I've said this all along. I don't see Yannick Ngakwe back. I could be wrong on that, but I get the sense from the conversations that I've had. They're ready to roll the dice with Dio and with Pay at the other defensive end spot. Maybe that's a little bit of a gamble. But again, Ngakwe, nine and a half sacks, that, that tells you that he played great, right? I didn't really feel it last season, 
Now, a couple of those were at the end of the half or were unblocked. He doesn't. He's not a three-down guy. He doesn't stop the run. I just feel like if the Colts are willing to roll the dice at those young defensive ends, now might be the time to do it because Ngakwe is going to want a longer-term deal and it's not going to be cheap. Dumb question here, Zach, in terms of the contract that the Colts gave out last night for a kicker. Uh, yeah, It's not huge money, obviously, in the grand scheme of things, but it kind of is for that position. Uh, is there any way, shape, or form that that contract is going to be one that is – in other words, do they have absolute flexibility, financially speaking, of not having in any way, shape, or form to worry about the number? I think they're okay. I think they're okay. And look, a lot of – you know, not not to pivot away, but uh, this is a kicker. Like, who's throwing the football to your receivers next season? That's the question. Right. And um, I think that's a fair question. You know, I checked yesterday, and they still, at least from what I was able to gather, have not decided fully on Matt Ryan, which is strange to me. I get that question, what seems like every five minutes, why haven't they cut Matt Ryan? That makes no sense have, to me, Zach. I have, I have no answer for you, but I was told that they will make a decision by Friday when, you know, a good chunk of his salary, I want to say it's like 14 or $15 million, kicks in. There's there's no logical way to explain him coming back, and, and I'm a big fan of Matt Ryan, the guy, and I thought he was a tremendous leader amid a lot of chaos last year, but financially and football-wise, it makes zero sense. He was benched twice, his arms giving way, he fumbled it a million times, he threw 12 interceptions. It just makes no sense to me. I'm assuming that's going to be the move, but I can't answer the question why they haven't done it yet. $35 million cap hit to be the backup? Yeah, that's just that's just bad football. That's just bad financial sense. It makes no sense at all. Yeah, Zach, fr- Friday is the deadline, as Zach was saying. Seventeen point two million is the official number on the bonuses he would be due on Friday. Every once in a while, Zach in free agency, Zach Kiefer is our guest on the Payless Cigars Hotline. Every once in a while in free agency, you have situations where one guy leaves, and you say, "Hey, you know what? Happy for him. No hard feelings at all." because it allows for another guy to get reps and you say, I'm happy for that guy because I think that he's going to be able to put himself in position to be the next guy to get paid. And by that, I'm sure you know where I'm going with this. I don't think that there can be any ill will on any way, shape, or form on either side about Bobby Okereke walking away. And then um, I think also it's it's a there is a security feeling in EJ Speed who I think has shown an ability to be able to take on an increased role. Do you agree with both those statements? Yeah, really does it work out this smoothly. And I think it was no surprise to anybody in Indy. We've been saying this for a couple of weeks. They were probably going to let Bobby walk and DJ Speed makes sense. And, and you guys have talked about this on your show as well. Of all the positions Ballard has drafted over the last couple of years, he hits on linebackers consistently. And Shaq Leonard and Anthony Walker, and EJ Speed, and Bobby Okereke, and Zaire Franklin, who had a billion tackles last year. So you feel pretty good about that. You can plug in EJ Speed on special teams as well, and that's really important. And he's a guy who stepped in and played linebacker between the lines on Sundays and played pretty well. And had a lot of talks with Bobby Okereke at the end of the season just to get a feel for his approach to free agency. And he's like, I'm not going to jump right away. Now, he did sign on the first day, but it wasn't the first hour. And he was a little bit more open to coming back to Indianapolis than I originally thought. I thought he might want to be the guy somewhere. And I thought at the end of this season, it was just a disaster. Like, it's hard to go back. But November, December in that locker room were rough. Like, these guys, like Stephon Gilmore and, and Buck, I mean, the losses are piling up. You have Jeff Stein, a head coach. Like, 
it was not a good place to be in that locker room during that losing stretch. And I wondered, would guys even want to come back to this team? And it was surprising. Bobby was like, look, I really like it here. I really like it here. And we talked about Eberflus in Chicago and his desire to reunite with him. And I talked to a coach with the Bears yesterday. They still love Bobby, but um, obviously they went a different direction and they spent a lot of money as well. But I was surprised at his openness to come back. I thought he might want to be the guy somewhere. He's going to get a chance to play for a playoff team with the Giants. But, you know, everything, everything with this linebacking core comes back to one guy. Is Shaq Leonard going to come back and play like he did in 2021? If he does, then you have no real questions at linebacker. If he doesn't, then Zaire's going to have to hold it down again and do it this time without Bobby Okereke. He was a really productive player, and I think he only missed one game in four years. That's pretty rare at that position as well. Zach, I don't know how, to use your term, aggressive, Chris Ballard might have been about contemplating moving up in the draft. But the fact that so far the Colts have not, and they allowed somebody to go ahead and make that move with Chicago, do you believe that that is because Indianapolis does not see a quarterback that they absolutely have to have and had to move up for, or because simply Chris Ballard does not want to give up assets? It's the it's the former Jake. It's it's they simply don't feel like there's a slam dunk in this draft, and that's not to say they don't like the quarterbacks. But I think, and I've said this on your show, and I talked about this with JMV a little bit. I think at the end of the day, this comes down to the gap, right? It's whatever gap you decide there is between one and two, and two and three, and three and four, right? Is is Bryce Young that far ahead of everybody? Is CJ Stroud ahead of everybody? Where is Anthony Richardson? Where is Will Levis? And if you identify a huge gap, then they were going to go up and get them. They were going to go get that first pick. They really were. I don't think they identified that. I feel like Ballard kind of told us a couple weeks ago at the Combine when he said, I'm not so sure we can't get our guy at four. And we kind of shrugged it off, but that's exactly the vibe I got talking to some people Friday night after the Panthers made that big move. It felt like the Colts, well, their draft position didn't change technically, but it felt like it got a whole lot worse, right? Because there's another QB needy team in front of them. And they were just like, look, we don't feel any different. They, they didn't feel like there was a Trevor Lawrence or a Joe Burrow in this draft. And they didn't want to spend a lot of assets to answer your second part to go get him. And look, I mean, if you look at the last couple of years, that's the right move. Now, we don't know how these guys are going to play out, and that's the fun part. But you go back to the Jets in 2018, trading with the Colts to move up to get Sam Darnold, who's not there anymore, and he's on his third team or whatever. And more often than not, I want to say I did the numbers, and it was like 70 to 80% of the time a team moves up to draft a quarterback in the first round. It doesn't work out. Now, this could work out for the Panthers, and I hope it does for Frank Reich. But the reality is Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes are the exception to the rule. They're not the norm. And everyone thinks if you move up to get your guy, you, you answer the question. No, he's going to come in and play. And I don't think the Colts felt like there was a guy worth trading up for from four to one. But we'll see because, look, they were 4-12-1 last year, and every decision they make isn't perfect. And they still haven't answered the biggest question with the franchise right now, and that's who's going to be playing quarterback in week one of next season. And I, at this point, what are they going to do? I, I still think they, they, they take a quarterback at four, but their options got a little bit dicier on Friday afternoon. But, Zach, they probably realistically need to get two, right? Because – is Kevin and I've talked about this. In your opinion, is Sam Ellinger their veteran backup, or do they go? Does Sam Ellinger go back to three and they bring in a guy with more game experience? Yeah, isn't that a risk? 
and, and I like Sam, but like didn't like I I just don't think you feel good about that going into the season, right? If, if he's your one, because the most important thing isn't who's your one; it's what you do with the rookie, right? And I don't want this team. I don't think this team wants to risk rushing a guy too quickly. That's really important. Ballard said he's willing to let this guy sit for a half a season, for a couple games, for a full year. If this guy needs to redshirt, you got to redshirt him because this decision is about twenty five and twenty six. It's not about twenty three. So. You need a guy who can come in and play, and you need a guy that's probably a little bit better than Sam Ellinger. And I think a guy like Gardner Minshew makes a lot of sense. He was in Philly with Steichen. I would have liked Mike White. Now, I know he would have been expensive, but he's headed into Miami. They were willing to pay for him because they don't know what's going to happen with Tua. But, look, if you're going to have a good backup, you're going to have to pay, and this team needs to do that. They paid Jacoby Brissett a couple years ago about $20 million. To be the backup to Phillip Rivers, they've been willing to do that in the past. You're going to have a rookie quarterback on a rookie deal. You need to pay for that insurance. In a way, you did that last night by paying a lot of money for a kicker. So you don't have to be – I mean, I've seen Ballard walk out of the press box before after they missed a field goal. Like, that's how angry he was getting at times when it was getting frustrating. So you paid to take care of that problem. You're going to have to pay for a backup, and you're going to have to pay a little bit more than you probably used to. But um, there's just there's no way you can just throw a rookie in there if he's not ready. You got to have someone in there to hold that down. Plus, I think it's important to get a vet from a different building. You know, someone that's kind of experienced different things, playing more than Ellinger has. All of those things. I yeah. think that'd be beneficial for your rookie. Again, Zach Kiever from the Athletic with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Zach, I want to shift gears to Lamar Jackson, and I don't want to ask you maybe as much of like should the Colts pay. Lamar Jackson, the type of money that he wants guaranteed, and the two first-round picks to send to Baltimore. But let's just start here. Would Jim Irsay pay Lamar Jackson guaranteed money in the $250 million range? I'm speculating here because I have not talked to Jim Irsay specifically about this player. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think there's a league-wide push from the owners, a very strong feeling that they want Deshaun Watson's guaranteed money to be the exception, not the norm. And they don't want these quarterbacks to get increasingly important leverage moving forward with these negotiations and to get guaranteed deals. They really, really, really don't want that to happen. And they don't answer to anybody. They don't answer to Goodell. They don't answer the quarterbacks. They want to keep that the way it is. And I don't think Jim Mercer is going to be the one that follows in Jimmy Haslam's footsteps and gives out that kind of money. There's also a very real concern among those making the decisions that the teams that negotiate with Lamar Jackson this week are doing the Ravens a favor. They're essentially setting the outside market for this quarterback. They don't want to do that. They don't want to help the Ravens. And there's also the reality of this. Teams are not going to want to shell out a quarter of a billion dollars guaranteed for a quarterback who might play 11 or 12 games a year. That's just the reality. He's finished two straight years on the injured list. I mean, Guys, name, name an older quarterback that scrambles. Like, they don't exist, right? They don't exist. And Lamar's one of one. He's a 26-year-old in his prime. He's a former MVP. He's 46 and 15 as a starter, for goodness sakes. There's a lot to like, and he would jumpstart this town in a second. But the other reality is the financials. And we have been explained by Mike Bloom, who runs the Colts cap, that essentially they work on a budget each year. And it's not simply – the salary cap, it's, it's X amount of dollars they can spend each year. And this is why they structure the contracts the way they do. The Colts don't usually have a lot of dead money because they structure their contracts very smartly. And they don't have to restructure deals hardly ever 
because they don't have a lot of money in the back end. The one exception being Matt Ryan this year, which is a little bit of a weird situation because of Carson Wentz and the trade and all that. But I just don't see it. And, and to sign Lamar Jackson, if Baltimore is going to pass, I don't mind the first two round, first two the the two first round picks because you're going to give up one to draft a quarterback this year anyway. But it's putting two hundred to two hundred and fifty million dollars into escrow immediately, immediately. Jimmer says wealthy, and I know he buys a lot of guitars, but that's a lot, a lot, a lot of money immediately, right away. I don't think the Colts are going to go down that road. Zach, last one for me, and I kind of want you to expand a little bit more on that. How much do you think, like, Chris Ballard's extremely prudent approach is that is a Ballard philosophy, but also, again, to your point you were making, like, Jim Irsay seems pretty content. You know, Stan Kroenke with the Rams, he's willing to upfront a whole lot more money, whether it be for Matthew Stafford or the team that they built to win a Super Bowl. It doesn't seem like Irsay in this market is willing to do that. Yeah, I think it's both. I think it's both. I think Chris is Chris. He's prudent. Mm-hmm. He's patient to a de- to a default. Sometimes, look, you won four games last year. Your, your your approach isn't perfect, and you need to add some talent to this roster. But I also think they operate under those parameters to a degree. And look, like the Colts have spent money, like they have given big contracts out, but who have they paid? Right? Like they paid the the highest paid outside linebacker a couple of years ago, the highest paid guard last last summer. They're going to give Jonathan Taylor very likely the highest-paid running back contract. They pay their own guys. And I know Lamar Jackson, (laughs) you want him to be your own guy because he's that good of a talent. But I really feel like they've settled on this philosophy that if we're going to pay a lot of money and they're willing to do that, it's going to be one of their own. And that's really the philosophy on how they're going to build their team. And, I, you know, at the end of the day, let's, let's, let's talk in two or three weeks. I think there's going to be two or three signings. It's not a great free agent class. But if you look at it over time each year, they have spent some money in free agency. They've been very selective, but they've been pretty good. And I would argue they've been better than most teams at finding guys that come in and contribute. Eric Ebron, Justin Houston, Danico Autry. I mean, I could go on and on. Philip Rivers, right? We've hit on a lot of guys in free agency. And that's not always the case around the league. I think the argument may be take more swings. There's been hits, to your point, Zach. You just rattled off many of them, but maybe not as many as people would like. Uh, Zach, thanks for being flexible, man, and moving up a couple days. All right, see you guys. Thanks, man. Zach Kiefer right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Bruce Weber going to join us here in about five. Obviously, the former Illinois coach, Purdue assistant. You've seen him on Big Ten Network a whole lot this year. We'll chat with him about the tournament. Uh, Morning checkdown. The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Does this need to be one of those abbreviated Morning Checkdowns, Mark? How about this? Tonight in college basketball, get to True TV because Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, and Southeast Missouri will tip things off in terms of the NCAA tournament play-in games at 640. 30 minutes after that is Mississippi State taking on Pittsburgh. When it comes to the Pitt Panthers out of the ACC, perhaps watching that will be somebody heading to the ACC next year. Talking about Layla Hole, who is the Indiana Miss basketball. The Zionsville product will be playing at North Carolina a year from now. And it might just be that perhaps on Thursday night, after watching those tournament games, she decides to watch the Indiana Pacers when they are in Milwaukee after last night's loss to the Detroit Pistons, despite beating Detroit on Saturday night by five. No Tyrese Halliburton, no Miles Turner for the Pacers last night. Anything you want to add? Yeah, I did want to mention on the Butler basketball front, transfer portal hot and heavy already. Butler, four names in that. Miles Tate, Pierre Thomas, Miles 
Wilmoth, but the biggest name, Jaden Taylor, averaged 13 points per game, the Perry Meridian product. A lot of roster turnover for Butler. We didn't see much of it, honestly, from last year. A lot of guys they brought in, um, but not a lot of transfer portal out. Um, but I think this was something that was going to happen. Thad Mata trying to turn over the roster, but that's a big loss there from one of their leading scores from this past season. All right, Bruce Weber joins us in five here. Kevin Acquire. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Half past nine on a Tuesday. Good morning to you, Jake Quarry, along with Kevin Bowen. Mark Dykton here as well. Uh, good morning to Eddie in Silverdale, Washington. He's a loyal Which, listener, Eddie. I was going to say, man, it's 6.30 in the morning over there. Uh, Jake, glad you're on the fan. You've settled in quite nicely. Thank you for using the English language as well as you do. I don't know if that last part is, if he's being flippant or if he's being serious. No, no, Eddie's a good dude. Yeah, serious on that. But thank you to Eddie. And good morning to you. Uh, joining us now on the Payless Sickers Hotline, he is a guy that we had on the program, and immediately Kevin and I looked at each other and said, uh, we should have him on every day. Well, that, and I guess he actually got some positive words from the English language out of IU fans this past weekend of the Big Ten Tournament, which I think is a rarity for him. <laughs> he said IU fans wanted to come up and take pictures with him. Well, why wouldn't they? He's one of the nice guys in college basketball, Fortunately, right? Illinois and Purdue on the resume don't often lead to that. Bruce Weber, you got some picks from the IU faithful, some picture requests? <laughs> Rafael Davis and I, we were like laughing because, you know, you know, your career, you're, you know, whether he was playing at Purdue or, and I'm, you know, obviously at Purdue and Illinois, and I, I don't think we were either. We were either one of us were fan favorites of, of the IU fans. But at the Big Ten tournament, um, we we had fun. They had the you know they we were right in that section where the IU fans were, and a lot of them were talking to us, asking for autographs, asking for pictures. But I just thought it. We both thought it was rather humorous. And how was I? I did want to ask before we get into the tournament, and everything. How was uh, Coach Katie? I saw you were able to catch up with him as well. Yeah, it was it was great, um, you know, to be with him. I, I I sat with him for part of every game. Uh, the three days uh, ran up and just sat with him, and then I hung out with him Saturday night. But uh, you know, he's gotten old like we all have, and and but he's he's doing well, and and he was fired up that the Boilers uh, won the Big Ten championship and the tournament. So he'll I think he'll be in Columbus this weekend and. Hopefully, as they march forward here uh, through the month, Coach, you obviously began your coaching career with Gene Cady back at Western Kentucky as a graduate assistant. So we're talking about forty plus years in coaching college basketball. My question for you is: Is it ridiculous to say that in those forty plus years that this is as wide open an NCAA tournament field as we have seen? Yeah, I would say that. I, I think there's so much. Uh, balance, parity, chaos, whatever word you want to use. And in, in, in the Big Ten, I, you know, obviously Purdue is the most consistent, and that's why they won the league by by three games. Um, and but that next 
whatever eight nine teams in the middle you know we're so even and and if you look through most of the other power conferences i think you had that in in all of the leagues and and i'm not sure there is a clear-cut favorite i you know i i just watched briefly after uh sunday night all the brackets and it just seemed like everybody had different ideas every different thoughts of who was going to advance and and I guess it makes it's always fun in March, and this even makes it for more uh, for more fun because no one really knows what's going to happen. It's going to be I think it's going to be a team that just kind of comes out of nowhere and just gets hot and makes a, a run here down the stretch. You know, I'm going to ask a question that shows why I'm on the radio and you're a guy that coached for as long as you did, right? A, a school like Kansas. Kansas, I think a lot of people thought was the best team, at least consistently, or one of the top five. I mean, Purdue's right there, Houston. One of the three or four best teams over the course of the college basketball season. But even Kansas, Coach, when you look at it, they've got, I think, seven losses, and all seven of them by double digits and, like, blowout losses. So it's like a feast or famine thing. Now, you coached. Why is it that even elite-level teams can have games where they are so flat and then turn around and rip off like eight in a row? What is the key to having the consistency for six games? Well, I, you know, not just for the six games, but the whole season. I think the, the difference this year is you have so many teams with new players, uh, whether they're portal players, you know, your new freshmen, your, you know, the, the transfers, you, you don't have the continuity when, you know, when we made the run in 05, it, it was basically the same team from the year before. And a lot, and even those, most of that group played with, together for the, for three years. So you had that continuity, um, you know, you, you were able to keep that consistency uh, they played together. They knew each other, and I and I and I don't know the exact answer, but that's what I think. You know, right now it looks like because there aren't very, there's very few teams with a lot of guys that have been together, and and I think that's why you have that that inconsistency of of you know the highs and lows of the season, and even like you said, Kansas who a lot of people think is maybe the best team. But I look at them. Obviously, we played them twice and watched them a whole bunch a year ago. And I, I don't think they're anywhere near the team they were a year ago. But they are very, very good. And he's Bruce Weber. Most recently, of course, you're seeing him on the Big Ten Network. Sweet 16 appearances, three different schools, Southern Illinois, Illinois, and Kansas State. And as he mentioned, that big run in 05 with the Fighting Illini. Did you coach any differently this time of year? And maybe coach isn't the right word. Maybe it's like, did you prepare? Did you handle practice differently? Was there any sort of adjustment from a coaching standpoint when you got to mid-March? I think it's the buildup to get to here, especially if you know you're going to, you know, like 05, we knew we were going to have a chance to make a run. So you have to be prepared. You have to be prepared for everything, different styles. Um, you, you hope in, in when you start making your schedule and you know you're going to be good, um, you want to play teams from different parts of the country. You want to play teams that play different styles. So nothing is a surprise. I've said this many times on the network. I think it's really a positive for the league, uh, the Big Ten, that we had more different styles of play. Uh, Matt Fainer and I have talked about it. 
it seemed like everyone played the same way. And then you get in the tournament and you've never gone against different ball screen defenses or, or zones or presses or whatever styles that you may have or, you know, teams that run dribble drive or somebody else that, you know, runs a ball screen continuity, uh, those type of things. So uh, you hope you're prepared. You also hope you're prepared for all the last second situations. You want to cover that. And again, that's why usually – Older players are, are able to be su- successful and consistent because they've gone against these things. And you say, okay, they're icing the ball screen now. Well, they know what to do. You don't, you don't have to spend as much time. I think the other thing late in the year, you've got to keep them fresh and happy and, and feeling good about themselves. And, um, and that's something, you know, Coach Katie and I and, and all of our coaches that have been part of that program uh you know we we probably had to learn the the hard way coach you know he was pretty tough and old school and you know we were practicing three hours at the beginning here and and maybe two and a half at the end (laughs) so um it it as it went on you know even coach katie i always said one of his best attributes which people probably find hard to believe is that he was flexible and he was willing to change that's why he stayed in the business so long and and he even backed down practice i i I would tell you my practices as we made the run in the ncaa tournament you know they get down to an hour and 15 and you just got to be sharp consistent and get a lot of shooting in because when it comes down to it, the game's pretty simple. If you can put the ball in the hoop, it sure helps. Okay, he's Bruce Weber. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. When you look at Purdue, Coach, obviously they just accomplished, I think, one of the finest Big Ten seasons we've seen in quite some time. As Zach Eady's numbers speak for themselves, how much do you think it's an advantage for Purdue now to get, again, out of the conference where they were tremendous this season, the non-conference schedule, they were outstanding, and now you get to face teams that, have never seen Zach Eady and you know don't get the chance to maybe simulate him to some level in practice the Big Ten teams obviously struggle with that as well but at least you see him multiple times how much do you think that can help Purdue over the next couple of weeks oh there's no doubt it's going to help them I mean it helps everyone you're able to run some of your plays that you haven't been able to run that people have taken them away even though Matt is so good at uh, disguising ways of getting into the post he's got so many different actions um, you know, I think he had to adjust as teams adjusted to them. And then, and that's, you know, he's, I've always said he's one of the smartest offensive coaches I've ever been around. And he takes a lot of pride in that. And he was able to do that. And their, and their guys execute. They, they, they know how to run the stuff, what to run. And, and so now the uh, post traps and uh, all the different actions uh, that people have used to stop them, um, you know, they it, hopefully they were able to take advantage of. Coach, when you when the pairings come out, and you're a head coach, and you see your name pop up there on the screen, do you immediately? My assumption would be that you divvy up with your staff. Okay, we've got to start diving into film on our opponent here in the opening round, but then you've got to get two assistants that each are scouting the potential second round matchup because you've got basically a 48 hour turnaround. How is that divvied up? How do you anticipate who you are going to play next while not overlooking who you have in the first game? You should have been a coach because that's exactly what we do. We, you know, we, we take somebody says, Hey, I, I know these guys, I got the first game. And then the other ones kind of look at it. And 
somebody's dividing those two games up and and now you know it's it's a little different we used to have to search for film and find things i now everything's on synergy and you're able to get all the the tapes of every game if you want and then then we'd sit down and go through and for me, it's not just uh, watching them. I want to see who beat the team, and then you know that's that's my first thing. Um, I know I talked to Chris Lowry late Sunday night. He already had three, seen three tapes of Boise State already, and that was only at you know probably like three hours after the selection uh, Sunday you know show. So you know, you're you're getting it to it right away because it comes fast and furious. You got to figure out a little bit of a game plan. Um, by Monday's practice, what you want to emphasize and and talk about with the players and and you know moving forward. And then you hope by Tuesday you're pretty well set with understanding the team, uh, you know their strengths, weaknesses, and how you're going to try to attack them. I think Indiana, I coach. This is going to sound weird. Indiana to me is a team that I think has maybe the highest ceiling among the local teams. I mean, I think Purdue's outstanding. But yep. Indiana, if they are clicking with – if Hood Shafino and Trace Jackson Davis are both playing well together in the same game, Indiana's ceiling I think is really high. Now, that's a hard thing for them to achieve. But do they have a bigger fear in Kent State than people realize? Is this a dangerous first-round team for them? Yeah, there's no doubt. One, I agree with you on, you know, you get to, I always watch through the years, uh, you know, why do teams get to the Final Four? Well, usually there's a common factor. They have they have pretty good guards, usually a good point guard, but they also have pros, go-to guys. And, they, and it's not the uh, definite formula, but I would say 90% they have, they have guys um, – you know, that can play my, I know my old five team, I had five guys that played in the NBA, but I also had go-to guys that could make the plays when it got tense. So they have the two guys and they have them, you know, at, at the point guard position and they also have the big guys. So I think that makes them even more, um, you know, explosive and, and, and tough to deal with, but there's no doubt. I, I, I've talked to several guys that played Kent state, uh, my former coaches, friends that you know that played them in the year that are in the Mid American Conference or played them in a non conference, and and they're they're a legit team. They 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 have uh, good guard play, they have some toughness, and they have bodies inside that can deal with Trace Jackson Davis. Now they haven't faced anyone like him, so um, and not many people in the country have faced anybody like him. So that. You know, it's one thing to say, oh, we're going to do this and that. But, you know, when he starts maneuvering, he's so athletic and quick, um, you know, I, 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 it makes it tough to deal with. So uh, they have uh, they have the weapons, They, it, you know, that they are tough to deal with. But at the same time, I think Kent State has a good team. They're tough. They defend. And, and they have enough depth to, to maybe deal with them. You know, the other thing you had, I think, Coach, and you tell me if this is off base, I, it's wonderful to have a Darren Williams, right, and to have an NBA lottery-type player. And Indiana has that in Jalen hood Shafino. But I think it also helps 
a guy that that every team needs is like a D Brown, just a guy that say what you want about like their pro prospects, whatever else. They're not worried about it because they are just a hell of a college basketball player that is a mature guy on the floor that you kind of feel like everything stabilizes when they're out there. And when you have that yeah. in a senior player, regardless of of seating, you've got a chance. Yeah, that leadership, that toughness. We are very fortunate. You know, Darren was. Uh, all my, I said, all five played in the, in the NBA at some time in the starting five, so they were all pretty good. And D was National Player of the Year, but they also had the, the experience, they had the toughness, and that leadership. We had such great leadership from D, um, and and also from Darren. We were we were very fortunate, and I was, to, you know. So it it makes it a lot easier on coaches if you have that experience, like you're saying. All right, Bruce, before we let you go, and again, Coach Bruce Weber is with us here. Uh, you see him on the Big Ten Network, of course. Tons of ties to the state, particularly to Coach Gene Cady. Uh, when we had you on a month ago, great stuff. We kind of focused a little bit on Tyrese Halliburton and you coaching him on the U19 team um, back a few years ago. Uh, you certainly expressed an interest to not slamming the door shut on coaching again in college basketball. We see some prominent openings right now around college basketball. Have you been fielding any calls on that front? Still have that itch? Uh- you know, there's some little things that have happened, but nothing definite or, you know, we'll see if it's the right thing. It works out. That'll be great. But if not, um, you know, I've been very fortunate to be in the business a long time. And, and now to have that opportunity with the Big Ten Network, it's been fun. And, you know, I, I, I told you before, I love coaching and I love practice and being around the players and you know, if that opportunity would come up with the right place, we we would definitely look at it. But nothing, nothing yet. So I did come in to the Pacers game a couple of weeks ago. I saw well, it was more than a couple of weeks, but saw uh, Tyrese and got to hang out with him and his mom and and visit with them. And they played the Cavaliers. One of my uh, K State guys, Dean Wade, was sure. there. I made the drive over and got to see them on a Sunday afternoon. So that was a blast. And. Um, you know, just love Tyrese and, and what he's about, and hopefully he's a longtime pacer. Coach, lastly from me, uh, maybe it's Iowa State, Tyrese Halliburton's alma mater. Maybe it's Kansas State. I don't know. Give me two teams <laughs> Give me two teams that you haven't heard a lot about this year that people need to look at on the bracket and say, you know what, these guys can make some noise. Oh, I don't know about that. I, 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 oh, I'm trying to think here offhand. I haven't. I'm not the guy on the national one like the ESPN guys. I focus on the Big Ten. I really, uh, I've said many times, I think there's three or four teams that um, in the Big Ten that can get to the Sweet 16, and then anything can happen there, I believe. Um, I think you've got Big Ten, obviously the, the Big Big 12, you know, teams like, uh, I think like a TCU might be a team that could surprise somebody if they're healthy and then the right mindset. And, um, you know, I, I guess I don't know if it would be a surprise, but I can see Texas. They, they uh, When you talk about old and go-to guys and point guard, I think there's somebody that could make a long run in, in the tournament. Coach, we appreciate the time as always. Look forward to continued watching your coverage of the Big Ten and college basketball, and certainly if coaching is in the future as well, wish you the best in that. But always enjoy having you on. Thank you. Appreciate it. Great stuff right there from Bruce Weber on the Payless Liquors Hotline. We'll end it giving out a few numbers. 317-239-1070 if you want to join our NCAA tournament game. Gift card to Jay's Lobster. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Over in Bottle Works. It's like you hear that and you just, I'm kind of waiting for Gumble's voice. Welcome to day one. Send you out to the Greensboro site, the Albany site. This year, I feel like I feel like you've got some of those kind of throwback first and second round sites around the country. Birmingham, all of it. It's that's number a great. Time. That's a great like question of you know what are cities that you like first knew of because of the NCAA tournament? Yeah, Boise would certainly be on that list. I think that's isn't that a Boise State's in the field, right? Yeah. Um, for a second, I thought that was a sight, but yeah, Boise State in the field. They've got Northwestern in a 7-10 matchup in round one. All right, it's time to give away some numbers to round out the show. If you missed it, the podcast will have Zach Kiefer and Bruce Weber. Thank you to Bruce Weber. I've enjoyed those conversations when he's joined us here the past couple of times. And doesn't sound like anything imminent, but he again, that door is open to him still coaching. By the way, the numbers that have been taken so far, so if you are on hold, listen closely so we don't repeat numbers here. One- 2, 5, 6, 10, 12, 13, 14, 15, 17, 19, 23, 24, 31, 32, 33, 38, and 47 are all gone. So everything else is open. We'll begin with Jason. What's up, Jason? Hey, how's it going, guys? All right, give us a number. Let's go uh, 52. Number 52. Well, your ears must have been burning. Unbelievable. What are the odds? We just mentioned them. The blue turf. They play on blue hardwood. You've got the Broncos (laughs) of Boise State, Jason. (laughs) He didn't sound too happy, but I mean, after hearing that Broncos sound, you got to have some double digit seed to advance the furthest wins your prize. Andy, up next. What's up, Andy? Hey, what's up, guys? I do number eight. Number eight. Andy got right to it. I love it. Ooh. Ooh, Andy, who's your uh, team of choice? Uh, it would be Butler, but that's not going to count this year. Okay. I think they're going to ask me to play for the team after all their offers. <laughs> <leave off. laughs> Might be true. Yeah, get some shots up in the West Gym. Andy, if you like Butler, I think you're going to like this team. you got Kent State. <laughs> now, how do you know it's a golden flash and not like a red flash or a yeah, what was that? green flash? I don't know. Well, you want like a lightning bolt yeah. or something? Might be a little better. Not well. to nitpick. You've done a wonderful job. Uh, let's Stick go it, to, Kev. Let's go to Gary. What's up, Gary? Hey, good morning, guys. What do you uh, got for us? Go num- let's go with number three for the local Braden Smith. Look at that. Braden Smith. Gary, do you remember there. a couple of years ago when Florida Gulf Coast was Lob City and became the toast of the tournament? Yes, I do. Well, their they coach. The Final Four, right? Uh, no, they went to the Sweet 16, I think. Okay. They were dunking okay. on everybody. Their coach, Andy Enfeld, uh, and his hot wife uh, are at USC there now. There you go, Jake. <laughs> oh, my. I'm just saying. You got a lot of run for that. Uh, Trojans, USC. So, there you go. Okay. What? Woo! Okay. <laughs> yeah, easy transition here to Shane. Shane, you got us a number? Yes, gentlemen. Uh, number 40. 40 for Shane. That will be the team that won it all here during the COVID tournament. You've got the Baylor Bears. Excellent. don't feel like they've been talked a lot I would agree. You don't hear a lot about Baylor. 3C. They do have 10 losses. They're out in Denver early on. Uh, They've got Creighton potentially as a 6C. Jake, let's do one more. One more? All right. We'll just go 
Roulette style on line one, Mark. Uh, Roulette, who's this? What's your first name? Tyler. Tyler, you are on the air here. What number would you like, Tyler? Number 40. Number 40 was just taken, Tyler. You got another number? Uh, yeah, I'm What's 46. that? 46. 46. 46. All right. Uh, do you know what the A&M stands for in Texas A&M by chance, Tyler? Uh, something military. I believe it's agricultural and mining, isn't it? Uh, Texas A&M, though, the Aggies off the board. All I know is Buzz Williams sweats a lot and is good. It says a- form of agriculture, and there's a picture of a cow. But but that's not an Aggie. Okay, what is one then? Just an agriculture guy. Okay, there's horses and cows and all that stuff. Buzz Williams fun. can coach and he sweats a lot. <laughs> that's what I know. Marquette, Virginia Tech, Texas A&M. He's been a little bit everywhere, Buzz Williams. All right, thank you again to Bruce Weber, Zach Kiefer. We'll continue to give away some numbers tomorrow. Jake, Rob Senderhoff, right? The Kent State head coach on the show tomorrow? Going to join us tomorrow, yep. Looking forward to that conversation. It is at least a sunny Tuesday. Everybody have a good Tuesday. We'll talk to you tomorrow right here, 7 a.m.